Hey, Real Nerds. There's many ways to enjoy the Real Nerds podcast. You can listen to us on Stitcher, iTunes, and now Spotify and iHeartRadio. You can see what we're up to around town by following us at Real Nerds on Instagram. And if you want to send us your thoughts, you can email us at realnerds at gmail.com or call us at 720-6NERDS5. Like us on Facebook at Real Nerds Podcast or tweet us at Real Nerds. And now on with the show. Hello, everybody. I'm J.D. Lopez, the host of Left Hand Right Brain. It's a free-flowing, wide-ranging conversation that I have with artists doing interesting and creative things here in Denver and beyond. We talk about their personal stories, break down their creative process, and what motivates them. Spoiler alert, it's mostly spite. We talk about all these things and more while kicking back, cracking wise, and always having a good time. You can find old episodes and everything you need to know at lefthandrightbrainpod.com. Hi, this is Georges Genty, and you are listening to Real Nerds Podcasts. This is Real Nerds Podcast. We are Denver Westward's top 10 nerdtastic podcast, as voted by somebody. And we go see a new movie every week, and we podcast our experience of the world. This week, we have almost a full house. I'm with Brad and Zach and Henry. All right. Henry Corinne. took it for Corinne. But, you know. <laughs> I, I gave her a second. I know. I was like, <laughs> so there. I, I, you just pointed in this general no. direction. I'm like, who? Brad, who was I pointing at? It was that general direction. No, you fucking asshole. You're supposed to say Corinne. I went like this. I went around Henry. Is around. If you're sitting over here, it looks like you're just pointing at both of them. I'm yeah. pointing my finger at you. We are one, so it's fine. <laughs> yes. Um, Henry's back from New York. Welcome back, Henry. Thank you. I'm Actually back. in our room, not just... In, in a room this time. Not echoey bathroom from New Live. York City. <laughs> yes. He's a real person. Yeah. Every, you know, For now. Space. Yeah. About twice a year, you become real. He's a real boy. Yeah. Yeah. Pinocchio style. <laughs> Did you see that they were showing pictures? I was, I'm probably the only person who does this uh, on history.com from the Macy Day parade from, was, I don't know, 19, I don't know, 49 or something. And it had a Pinocchio balloon and his nose oh, was yeah, like that, twice yeah. as big as his body. I'm like, this is really weird. But those early like parade photos are spooky. They are. <laughs> and, or the old uh, Halloween trick or treaters from the 20s. Horrific. The, totally horrific. <laughs> That's where all nightmares come from. That's the Halloween I want to be in. Back yes. then, you were allowed to just murder kids, so you had to scare the, the murderers away. Now, you know what? I never thought of it that way. 1930s. Yeah, they kind of when we, frown upon child murderers. Yeah, 1930s, we, we made killing children illegal. So, <laughs> Speaking of murder, our movie of the week is Knives Out. Stay tuned to the end of the episode, where we'll tell you if you'd see the movie, play the trailer, and spoil the movie. Um, and this movie does have lots of twists and turns, so um, make sure that if you want to see the film, uh, don't listen to our spoiler part at the end until after you've seen it. I want to talk about movies we've been watching throughout the week. Movie news! Blu-ray's coming out. Um, a cool one this week. Um, hang on a second, I'm getting a call. That's important. Oh my um, god. Brad, why don't you tell us what's happening around town?
This week, the Midnight at the Esquire is Tammy and the T-Rex. Ooh. So I'm going to go check that Something out. Something different, finally. Yeah. Been a been a festival favorite for a little while, this new version of it. So When I was at Telluride, it was sold out. Damn. I, can, I went 20 minutes before the screening. Mm. Then I went and saw Wounds with Dakota Fanning instead. Well, that's a garbage movie. <laughs> oh, my God. You got Dakota Fanning to come see I mean, the movie uh, with you? I mean, Dakota Johnson. Sorry. You got Dakota Johnson to come watch the movie with you? I did. I kicked my wife out. I'm like, she's sitting there. And you know what? She said, hey, you're so cool. That's how she acts. So I'm just, you know, keeping it going. So, yeah, you have two days to catch that, December 6th and 7th. Actually, when you see her in Bad Times at El Royale, you're like, she can act. Dude, she's, Why is she so awful in she's, other movies? She's fine. It's it's Twilight Syndrome. Actors are fine. It's just the stories are garbage. Anyways, Brad. And then the following weekend, December 13th and 14th, is Friday the 13th. Oh, the first one? The very first one. <sighs> Don't I was hoping you were going to say like 2009's Friday the 13th. That'd be sweet. Who owns that one? Uh, Paramount. And well, I think possibly. Paramount and New Line both own it. Yeah. I, well, one of them did international on it I, when they first released. I can't well, remember who. Well, the, the name, well, the Jason character is owned by New Line, and Paramount owns the name Friday the 13th. The only reason why I'd say it's New Line that owns it is because they're the ones who put out the Blu-ray, but... No, well, they own the rights to the character Jason because Jason is owned by Horror Inc., mm-hmm. which is being sued by Victor Miller right now. Um, for the yeah. rights to Jason Voorhees. Hence why we're getting all the cool Halloween movies we're getting, because yep. we can't get a Jason movie. Sad. And the last thing is on YouTube, you can watch The Doorbuster. That's right. Yeah. By Brad and Zach over here. You know, what? one of the things that most impressed me about that was your shot of um, Best Buy, but it said goodbye. <laughs> I'm like, that's a pretty quick uh, turnaround in making it look really good. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. I was, uh, no one had mentioned that yet, so thank you. Yeah. The acting? Mm, subpar. <laughs> The movie looked great. I don't know. I think you guys got pretty close to Wilma Defoe and Robert Pattinson. I think we were. I think we were just fine. Those I think seagulls Spencer was better. Very realistic. Thank you. That was, <laughs> it sold me. The the visual effects are just. Does no, anyone need a seagull like mobile? <laughs> the sea. No, uh, very very creative. Um, good job. Yeah, gentlemen, yeah. threw that together really quickly. Oh yeah, turned out pretty good. Yeah, yeah. I got hit on the nose with one of those Blu-rays. <laughs> yeah, that was fun throwing Blu-rays at Zach. Yeah, and also the cops came by and we were like, oh shit, this is over, and they're like. You guys are really brave to be out here doing this. And then they drove off. <laughs> and then they, they're, like, they're like, this is fucking sucks. Well, then, See they, ya. then they pulled up in front of the Best Buy to do their, you know, they're doing running security for mm-hmm. um, Black Friday. And uh, Spencer and I were still walking by doing some stuff. And we ended up chatting with them for like a good 10 minutes. Yeah, you know, uh, I was going to do it for. I that um, can you beep that part out? Um, and then, uh, but when you do that, they pay you overtime. Mm. So it was. Laura didn't so tell me to be there. <laughs> yeah, so Laura um, didn't tell me I couldn't do it, but she gave me a strongly worded text message that was in my best interest not to take that overtime <laughs> shift. But yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Lots, so cool. Lots, lots of fun though. But yeah. as a cop, like those are fun gigs because you know people just waiting in line to buy stuff. Is most people are pretty cool. Hmm. I mean. Some people trample over it, but but now they've extended Black Friday for so long mm-hmm. that I don't. I think it's uh, people have realized they don't have to rush out quite as much. Was there a big crowd? At- well, no. Uh, even like and the lady who get a lot of deals online. That's even the employee who was like waiting to get in. She was telling us that most people buy the stuff online and just pick it up. Yeah, yeah. So and it was really like we we went shopping afterwards, and it was light. Like barely anybody there. Yeah, yeah, the days of like that snaking line that yeah. went around the build, like inside the building, like aisle after aisle, is like no more. Yeah, I so. mean it's because they, they realize to compete they have to do that. Um, 
I mean, I went to Best Buy uh, in Denver West at like 1130. And I mean, it was really busy, um, but it wasn't how I used to be where, you know, the lines totally wrapped around because I, I have. Uh, so I have a Samsung Ultra HD player. And for some reason, it won't play some of my Blu-rays. Mm-hmm. So I was like, what the fuck? And so Did I, you update the firmware? So the, it's completely updated. Mm-hmm. And then, um, so Samsung has got out of the business of making Ultra HD players. So I think they have stopped updating their own system. Um, because you can't even go online and like chat with them about my model that's only three years old. Huh. So I went to uh, Best Buy and they had um, the like three hundred and fifty dollar Sony one was one hundred and ten dollars. So is this the same one that I got or no? It's better than th- it's better than that sack. Oh wow! Did you have a Samsung Ooh. or Sony? I have a Sony player. I have a Samsung TV. Yeah. So yeah. Now now we have the same setup. Okay. Because I was like, I was going to get Sony because I know the PlayStation <laughs> Five is already going to be an Ultra HD um, system. Cool. We're hoping to tape it to it. PS Five is going to be a four K player. It is. It is. Mm-hmm. <sighs> Um, because they're starting to do like 250 gigs on the discs. Yeah. Mm. Um, but yeah, it, it's a bummer because so I got um, American Werewolf. This is how I found out. I got the blob on American Werewolf in London like two, three weeks ago. I don't know when they came out. All my days are jumbled together. I work so much. Anyways, I got them and I put in um, the blob and it said disc air. I go, huh? So I'm like, oh, it's the... F- I thought maybe it was mastered wrong. Out of all the Blu-rays I've bought, and I think I've had two that have just said it's like a disc error, so I'd had to get a new one. So I just processed the return through Amazon. I'm like, yeah, another one will be there tomorrow. Yeah. Is the Blob a Shout Factory or Arrow? Uh, shout. Hmm. Um, so uh, so then I says, whatever. I got American Werewolf in London, the new one, and I'll, I'll just watch that. Put in, said the same thing. I was like, oh, now i got to take this back, and I really didn't need it to take it back. Um, but it would play some of them. Uh, but it wouldn't play all of them. Mm. It's really bizarre. So that was the issue I had with uh, the Gus Van Sant Psycho when I got the Scream Factory mm-hmm. of it, and I thought it was the disc, and it turned mm-hmm. out to be my player. Yeah. And then you guys found out that it was the firmware was yeah. I mean, so had not been updated because it was a Ethernet cable one, not a Wi-Fi. So one. I even like went and set the Blu-ray player all the way back to the factory settings, mm. and then I rebooted it, and um, it. You know, I put in all the settings and I went to the firmware. It's like it's up to date. Mm. So, yeah, I have a Sony one. Guess what, Ryan? I watch DVDs on my DVD player and I don't have any problems. Um, Take that. Mm-hmm. Except for your slowly deteriorating eyesight because you can't see perfect clarity yeah. in Ultra 4K. Exactly. Ryan, I just watch illegally bootlegged like 144p videos on YouTube. <laughs> <laughs> The way there was, a, was meant there to was be There was a watched. great article, I think it was on CNET, where it uh, showed the um, endgame, the streaming version, compared to the 4K, and it is huge. Mm. Like, the blacks and the colors and the detail, like, whoa. Mm. It's a pretty substantial change. Side note, one of the things I watched this week, I got the DVD of it from the library. after. So I watched it on YouTube. And then I was like, well, but so it kind of the file like got corrupted or something at the end. So I was like, well, I'll just check it out from the library. So I did put it in the DVD. It looked terrible. I'm like, yeah, I'll just watch it on YouTube again. Oh, so, well. So what do you watch on YouTube? I'm sorry. I'll talk about it later. Oh, so you're keeping us in suspense. So now yeah. we have no idea what the fuck you're talking about. Great job, Corinne. <laughs> she, pulled, she pulled the Hitchcock. She put the bomb under the table. It's you a don't BBC know production. <laughs> oh, that's why. Pff, fuck the British. <laughs> um, it's no, interesting though. They with make those... great things. <laughs> no, the like B- Alfred Hitchcock. Some, sometimes. Mm. Um, but uh, 
it's interesting though because of those deteriorating lines and like lack of people actually coming to the physical store when we when i wrote the script for um doorbuster i i imagined we would have people in line because i assumed people would Mm -hmm. be forming a line at some point and it never really happened so it ended up kind of being accidentally timely yeah like, no, you know, the store opened at five and yeah. we left at four to yeah. go do the rest of the stuff away from the, and there was no, like no one started lining up until four yeah, yeah so that was like a happy accident which is also good because we needed the space to do what dialogue we could <laughs> yeah. Uh, um but yeah so yeah check that on yeah. uh the real nerds youtube page yeah good yeah. job watch me get led into the snow on a leash it's also it's on facebook and stuff like that yeah so Check it out. Yeah. I, I want the hit counts on YouTube, so go to YouTube. <laughs> I forgot that was a scene from The Lighthouse. Yeah. What he, a garbage movie. It's <laughs> a good Gosh. movie. It's a good movie. It's weird. Hey, speaking of other movie news, what happened in the world of movie news this week? It's real news. Guess we'll suspensefully wait to what Corinne watched. Uh, it's not a lot really because of the Thanksgiving uh, holiday um, really the biggest news that uh, I saw was also the saddest um, so Netflix decided to not go ahead and give Mystery Science Theater 3000 to season 13 uh, so this is the end of the revival show um, until it ends up on Hulu <laughs> possibly yeah I, you know it's funny like, so who actually owns it not, not Netflix who's that I th- Joel Hodge I think, I think oh, okay. Joel and Shout so yeah. Shout has rights to distribute it. Well, as well, Shout has a streaming service too, so it might show up. Eventually. And plus, like they kickstarted the revival on their own. Yeah. At the last yeah, minute, yeah. they said like, "Oh, Netflix is interested. Well, of course, we'll take extra money." Yeah. Totally. So it's like they were going to make a show without them to begin with. So yeah, why can't they right. just do that again? I'm I sure think, they'll be all right. I think that just the resources that Netflix had for getting certain sure. things done was probably better, especially with the thing is, is that like, it, I, yes, it's sad, and I liked that revival a lot, but there were two things that always kind of troubled me with this revival was like, how many more bad movies are we going to be able to find that are not going to be expensive to license for not just the episode itself, but also repackaging that on a Blu-ray slash DVD streaming rights. What are the things like they, they got Mac and me on there and Mac mm-hmm. and me is not, is uh, not, might, not be that hard. Paul Rudd shows a clip of it every time he's on Conan O'Brien. Yeah. So like, and man, and, and Mac and <laughs> I didn't me, think about that. that's a good point. <laughs> Mac and me as bad as it is, is not, Probably not is probably more expensive to license than say Manos, the Hands of Fate was when it first released back in yeah. the early nineties. So, but they're probably able to work something out too because Macami was released as a, like a collector's edition by Shout. Yeah. So I mean, again, like there are ways to get it done. I just wondered, like, how are you going to be able to keep affording yeah. that at a certain point? Like they've expressed that it was an issue in the past as oh, well yeah. in the sci-fi era, um, and also like at the end of the day, like this was always a very insular show and like had a very specific van base and a very niche audience so who I, I would argue doesn't care about the movies themselves like I, you can I, put anything in there as long as they uh do hmm. interesting jokes and commentary on them like riff tracks yeah uh it's really about the robots and the in the host yeah. and, and all it's, that so. and, it's, and it's weird because i know riff tracks and mst3k within the last couple of years have like kind of joined forces a lot more like MST3K episodes are sold as like digital downloads on Rift Tracks website through conjunction with them but Rift Tracks doesn't just do like subpar movies they also do the big budget movies where you put the track you buy the track and then you watch it with your Blu-ray or your streaming content so 
it's they're a little bit more diversified than MST3K is. But I liked the show. I liked what Jonah did with it. Um, and I I liked Baron Vaughn and Hampton Yount and Oswald and Felicia Day. So it'll be sad for it to go. But this show has always found a way to survive somehow. So like it's thirty years later and it was still on television mm. slash Netflix. So, um, but yeah, sad. Sad, sad to have that news come right before the Thanksgiving marathon that they normally do. It's funny, like a week ago, I was sitting around going like, man, isn't there supposed to be like a new season of Mystery Science Theater by now? <laughs> and then a couple of days later, like, oh, yeah. Do they have one season or two seasons on Netflix? They two. have two. Two, okay. Like, and the second one was only six episodes. Yeah. Because they were hoping that, I guess it was, that might have been part of why it's canceled, because I think they were looking at the numbers for the gauntlet. Because um, otherwise, why would you only give them six episodes? For well, Netflix has been doing that with a lot of shows recently, where they give them like half seasons. So, really? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Because ninety yeah. percent of the shows on Netflix are fucking garbage, mm-hmm. and they cancel most of them in the yeah. second or third season. So, so. yeah. Um, but anyway, um, moving on. Uh, I guess Albert Hughes, one of the two directors from uh, From Hell and uh, Book of Eli, uh, will be remaking The Fugitive. Happened to his brother. I do not know. It does not say here. Oh, hoping uh, happens. They usually make movies together. They use brothers. I think a lot of the brother teams from the 90s slash 2000s are splitting up because Lana, uh, Lana Wachowski is, or Lily Wachowski is doing the new Matrix movie without Lana. So mm. Might as well. I mean, you can always branch out. Yeah, no, exactly. But yeah, um, I have not rewatched The Fugitive in a while, so I don't know if it's due for any kind of remake. I mean, it was a remake of the television show. Yeah, so. it is. You know, is as long as I I don't know. I mean, you can always tell a different story. Oh yeah, yeah. No, you know, it's just some dude on the run. Yeah, it's called U.S. Marshals. That is U.S. Marshals, <laughs> starring the great Robert Downey Jr. I don't know if you know this. He's the bad guy in it. Oh shit! Oh man! Spoilers! I haven't seen it. Um, have you not seen U.S. Marshals? I have not. No. Really? No. Oh, well, really, spoilers then. I no. I I I knew that it was with the character from uh, Tommy Lee Jones's character from The Fugitive, but I just never really cared to watch. And Passenger Fifty Seven. But. <laughs> yeah. To even That's things true. out, he's not the bad guy. Now you don't know who's telling the truth. Yeah. So, um, I mean, Henry, <laughs> you're right, Henry. Ryan, stop lying to me. <laughs> Corinne, have you seen U.S. Marshals with Robert Downey Jr.? I have not. No. Uh, he plays a U.S. Marshal in it, who's a good guy. You gotta remember, there's kids in the room sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> I don't care. You should care. <laughs> oh, hey, nice, nice pull. What is that movie? Is probably like ninety three, ninety three. So it's nearing yeah. thirty years old. Holy shnikes! Yeah. You know, you forget Robert Downey Jr. is only like fifty five, but he's been in movies for forty something years. Yeah. Oh yeah. Actually, I'm excited about this reboot because that means 4K re release of The Fugitive. <laughs> yep. That's right. Um, moving on, um, Godzilla versus Kong. Uh, its release date got pushed uh, eight months to November. So. Uh, I thought it was weird that they bumped it to March because wasn't it supposed to come out in like August or something originally? March. No, but they moved it from the summer to March yeah, or something. something like that, yeah. Well, I think they probably had confidence during King of the Monsters release, and then when King of the Monsters didn't do wonderfully, they're pushing it a little bit more. Or, or, or it's going to be pushed to November because they think they have a shot at the Oscar. Totally. Mm. Well, best visual effects for sure. Yeah. Because the Godzilla I has mean, pretty yeah, amazing visual effects in it. King of the Monsters, while it might not be a perfect film, did look beautiful. Oh, yeah. So. No, yeah, no. yeah, Kellen loves it. Yeah. Um, it, it's a, I, I liked it because it gave me monster smashing shit. Are you going to buy the $500 uh, Godzilla Criterion? <laughs> Pre-ordered. <laughs> oh, wait, it's already out. 
No, missed that one. <laughs> I saw it. They had it on sale at uh, Barnes and Noble this yeah. week. So really, like the the layout's really cool, but it's like, do I really like all those old Godzilla movies? Wait, was that part of their half off oh, Criterion? Yeah. That's how I got the uh, von so Strassenberg and uh, instead of five hundred, it's two fifty. Yeah. Oh, oh my I gosh, that's a great deal. <laughs> yeah, two fifty. That. That's a good deal. I mean, to be fair, I've seen all of those films, and they're all garbage. And so, <laughs> I don't know if I'd say if it's If you put them in a pretty package, that's true. they have value. I mm-hmm. will say, when I was looking at it, it looked like it was just the book and did not come with the movie. <laughs> so that's, yeah, it's like an oversized book. It's, I mean, it's, it's a really nice layout. But nice it's pop beautiful, art but and all like, that stuff. Yeah. yeah. Right yeah. on. Yeah, it's, um, but audience yeah. for somebody, obviously. Yeah. But anyway, Godzilla vs. Kong. Can't wait to see it in yeah, November be fun. next year. The uh, first Godzilla vs. Kong film has a shot of King Kong being brought to a mountain to fight Godzilla via balloons. <laughs> and it's one of the funniest shots in film history. Right yeah, on. it's probably the worst King Kong. Oh, it's awful. Because uh, it literally looks like a dude in an ape suit. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. 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 Lacking the charm of... You know, when you're a kid and you go, oh, Godzilla vs. King Kong is going to be so awesome. And then you see it and you go, nope. 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 Lacks the lacks the maj- majesty of uh, Cooper and Shudzak. Yeah. If anyone's curious, I have done a summary of every single King Kong film, every single King Kong and Godzilla film ever made. It's thirty minutes long. And it's on my channel, and so. you should watch it because it is pretty damn great. Um, <laughs> along with your other video on the Disney Channel movies, uh, the the ever more watch, coming eventually. <laughs> watch Henry. Stuff. Thanks Disney Plus. It's wonderful. Um, moving on, uh, in what seems like news that we've heard before, uh, Daniel Craig says he's no longer going to be Bond after this new one, which huh? is Time to Die. In other he's starring new- in CSI Kentucky Fried. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, we'll talk about it in, in the review. But, um, I mean, honestly, like, I can't wait for, you know, five months from now when I read the news. Good news, a dump, a dump truck full of money went in front of his house, so he'll play Bond one more time. Well, I mean, was this his fourth or fifth one? This fourth. is his fourth one. Yeah. Um, no, fifth. This is, this is fifth. Like, no, this is... Yeah, because it's... Uh, yeah, this will be his fifth. Casino Royale. Royale, 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 Royale. Skyfall. Skyfall. Spectre. Oh, Spectre is the fourth one. That's a pretty good Harmony, guys. No time to die. Yeah. Well, everybody forgets Quantum Trailer Solace, drops right? Wednesday. I just got that ad on Facebook. Really? really? More than Timothy Dalton. Wow. Yeah. 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 And more matching than... Pri- matching Pierce Brosnan. Yeah. He's also going to be the only Bond to have been Bond for over three decades. Yeah. Hmm. Right and still hasn't really aged. <laughs> no. Beautiful son of a bitch. I know. Oh, yeah. My wife loves Casino Royale because there's a part where he's naked in it and, like, you can see his muscles. And then he gets his balls crushed. Yeah. I That's go, the best part. Yeah. She's, she doesn't remember that part. She just remember he's naked. Mm-hmm. Being... Well, there's also the hot scene of him coming out of the beach in those tight Speedos. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Corinne, you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> My favorite shot is watching Mad Nicholson cry. Casino Royale is badass. It's a great movie. I haven't seen that movie in a while. It's really wonderful. Um, time to watch all the Bonds. But yeah, um, you know, I mean, right now, Daniel Craig to me is not so much James Bond as he is Joe Bang from uh, uh, Logan Lucky. Or You and only you. Yeah, yep. I-, I like him as Joe Bang. You kidding, man? He's great in that movie. And he's great in our only movie of the week. you. Um. We're getting uh, another Christopher Nolan prologue uh, this December, uh, this time for his movie Tenant, and it's going to play before Rise of Skywalker. Not so much a news story, just want to let you all know. Wait, in January, you said? No, in, uh, or December, sorry. Oh, okay. Yeah. It's ahead of the Star Wars trailer, or movies. Apparently. No, yeah, I was going to say, I, cause I thought you said January, I was like, so they're going to wait. <laughs> like, no, so, yeah, like... no, 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 Christmas time. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and uh, Ryan, uh, I think it was last week we were talking about the uh, antitrust stuff being uh, yep. overturned. 
well, something something around that area came true because Netflix just signed a lease on a New York theater, the Paris Theater. It's going to use it for special events, screenings, and theatrical releases of its films. So mm. one of the things we talked about last week came true. It's like, man. I think you can predict I mean, the future at this I mean, point. Whether it's the collected or... God damn it, that fucking title. <laughs> <laughs> Now, now the question is: Are we going to see the third collector movie? Oh yeah, <laughs> or is it just? I a... think a rap production. Oh god, I. You know what else? Rap production is Avatar. Two years, guys. Oh, funny you'd mention that. Um, yeah, a movie that we're never sure will ever come out. Uh, released a photo of uh, stuff from wrapping for the year, and it's like a think, new vehicle. Do you think Disney's like really annoyed with Cameron? They're like, dude. You're supposed to put this out two years ago. I'm trying and to here think. We are. You know what? But that's a that's a large group you're talking about. I, I well, want to know. Who, Disney, yes. Linda was, Hamilton, probably. Tim Bob Miller, probably. Like, dude, seriously? I mean, I, their release schedule doesn't make any sense either. So there's one in 2021, correct? Mm-hmm. And then 2024. That sounds right. And yeah. then 2025, and then again in 2028. No one cares. This movie's no one's going to care about this movie. I think he's going to die before they ever actually get released. Well, yeah. I mean, you still have eight years. I guess he's going to tell a story. I don't know. Well, did he tell a story for the first one? No. Mm. Mm. That that could be a that could be a huge problem. Uh, you know, it still sits on my shelf, and I have not watched it since I saw it in theaters. Well, now you can see how he intended on Disney Plus. Yeah. Right. Um. <laughs> but yeah um so last week we discussed that a uh rise of skywalker script had ended up on ebay after being callously left uh in somebody's hotel room and uh apparently john boyega um confessed that sounds like his uh, story <laughs> that he would be a part of because you know when he he's like one of those dudes when you watch him in um <laughs> bts footage footage or something he just seems like a cool dude yeah you know and he seems genuinely excited that he's part of star wars yeah no know? i mean no he loves it i mean yeah. did you watch that legacy feature where he's, oh, yeah. he's he seems like he's having a fun time yeah i, would. I also love that outtake where harrison ford talks about going to the supermarket that's <laughs> adorable um, i was more hoping that it would just be palpatine like at some party being like <laughs> yeah and he just left it there no, accidentally it's, it's ian mcdermott because he's so senile at this point he forgot it in his hotel room <laughs> yeah i've been getting in an argument with somebody about how the Rise of Skywalker is going to play out, and the person is totally wrong. So I think it's going to be like a bomb. No, um, how the story is going to play out. Oh, that kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. And this person is in this room totally <laughs> wrong. Oh, Zach. <laughs> oh, dude. Oh, uh, I'm in Rise of Skywalker. It's me. Oh, yes. it, it's you. Okay, it could be any one Which, of those guys. By the way, Ryan, everything that has been coming out and all the interviews and magazines and stuff lately. False. It is pointing she, in she the direction pull, that I put a I lightsaber predicted. right through that motherfucker's heart, you know, and uh, say this nope. is for Han. You know what? It could be anybody. It could be and, anything. And I have eliminated. And no then, as, as the <laughs> saber goes through his back, the heart's stuck on it. And it's cooking. That'd be so sweet. And then, Ooh. then Chewie comes up and takes it off and's like, <laughs> I've been playing Look, a lot of Mortal Kombat. I'm not that would saying, be great vengeance for Chewie from Force Awakens. Yeah. I'm it. not saying it's definitely gonna happen. What if Chewie I'm ripped his saying, arms off like they talk about in Star Wars? That'd be so sweet. I'm just saying you should mentally prepare yourself for the possibility that I outlined in my post on the Real Nerds website, which you all should go and read, except for Brad, who doesn't want to be spoiled. I, I well, ha- don't worry, Brad. Her post is wrong. <laughs> I have a I have a wonderful idea. 
Let's wait till the movie comes out in December and then talk about it then. And then you'll all owe me money. <laughs> no, I like the movie I've already directed in my head. <laughs> so I'm going to wait to see that. So, check out so if it's not what you want, are you going to put a petition out there to remake it with $200 million of fan ma- fan based money? Of course. Okay. And the whole saga. Oh, okay. Nice. All right. Are you going to tell J.J. Abrams that he doesn't know how to direct things and whatnot? No, he's fired. Okay. <laughs> where do you, you comment it? I want to read your opinion. Um. What but, post uh, you commented on? By the way, he revealed that information, though, on Good Morning America, but I like the tweet better, which is him going, It was me, here. damn it! <laughs> yeah. Good job, John. Yeah. Proud of you. Uh, and uh, within the Star Wars news, uh, it's tracking for a $200 million opening weekend. That's so... it! <laughs> yeah. Star Wars is done! Oh, yeah. <laughs> Fuck it, it's going to make its budget back in the first weekend? So, so, so... So in other in news, America alone. So, so in other news, Disney's gonna make some more money. You know, they, I, they made a lot of money this year, and they're gonna make more money. Wow, what I a surprise! Dislike Star Wars fans more than Mortal Kombat fans, or they're kind of on equal planes for me. Because <laughs> here's the thing: is I'm a huge Star Wars fan, but there's there's this pocket of people that just are the most annoying and obnoxious people, where they just want to hate on it, mm-hmm. and they don't. Because, because end of tirade. Because the things that they want don't happen. That's why the Last angry. Jedi is the second greatest Star Wars movie. Uh, agreed. Because I don't know if I'd say it's the second greatest, but I think it's better than people say it is. No, it's the second. Greatest. You know, it's it is the second greatest because Yoda sh- set shit on fire. That's no, why. No, it's the it's the second greatest because it took what we <laughs> love about it and turned it all on its head. That too, because he, he he took chances in storytelling that no one took in that saga before. Indeed, but since the best one, which is Empire Strikes Back, mm-hmm. and you 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 play with people's emotions. Everyone says Ray has to be a Skywalker. No, she comes from nothing. Mm-hmm. And then you have them team up at the end, and Kylo, you know, they kill kill the bad guy, and they have this moment. He says, "No, rule the rule the galaxy with me," and she chooses not to. Right. I think there there's something awesome with that, where you think Kylo's going to be a good guy, and he's like, "No, I still the piece of shit." He's not going to be a good guy and, yet. And I and he's never. And I do hope that uh, he killed billions of people. He can never be a good guy. And I hope that J.J. Abrams sticks with that trajectory. Um, again, we'll wait. There's a the great interview out. with him, J.J. Uh, Abrams, where he talks about that. Because, you know, a lot of people are saying, well, did, you know, Ryan Johnson's Star Wars ruin? And he said, no, it challenged him as a storyteller mm-hmm. because he went somewhere where he wasn't expecting it to go. And I think that's awesome. Yeah. And that's why it's the second greatest Star Wars movie. That and Yoda set shit on fire. That's yep. a great scene. It's a great scene. Yep. Um, Might come Ryan up Johnson later. burned down the... Uh, what people expected yeah um you know i'm reading through your thing and there's not lo- not enough gay stuff <laughs> <laughs> really need there to be more gay stuff in this um uh, elizabeth banks has oh found my god there's still more news yeah. I this is a slow weekend <laughs> you said there was one thing <laughs> we've been talking for 30 fucking minutes uh this is the last thing it's elizabeth only- banks is going to be directing the invisible woman and starring in it yeah cool moving hey, on this is blu-ray movie <laughs> Sick. <laughs> no, that's all good. No, the reason I the reason I'm bringing it up is because we are getting that Invisible Man in February. So I'm wondering, is Universal again trying to figure out what the fuck to do with their monsters? Well, yeah, I mean they already have the Dark Army with uh, Paul Feig. So yeah, that's true. But um, anyway, yeah, it doesn't really give a plot. I mean, we don't have really have an Abbott and Costello anymore. So Jay and Silent Bob meet the monsters. No, don't. It's gonna be Seth Rogen and. James Franco attack the monsters. I'd prefer <laughs> that. <laughs> if I have to choose. <laughs> um, yeah, and that's news. 
these are Blu-rays coming out this week. I have one coming this week, I believe. I don't remember. I'm old as fuck. Older than all you guys. In my day, we used to go to Suncoast and get VHSs. <laughs> Brad, did you go to Suncoast? I did. Yeah. I can't wait for you to be a grandfather and actually say that. And Sam Goody. <laughs> nice. Sam Goody. I remember spending um, $40 on the Chasing Amy Criterion at uh, Media Play. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I spent 40 bucks on What Dreams May Come, the, the DVD. Mm-hmm. Like the first week DVDs were out. Yep. <laughs> what was your first DVD you bought? Do you remember? Uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Nice. Mine was WrestleMania 15. Uh, and then The Matrix was the like, yeah. second one. Yeah. Matrix was really soon for me, too. I bought the DVD player at the grocery store. Really? I bought mine at Blockbuster. Mm. Yeah. With WrestleMania 15. My first one was What's a DVD? Run. It's a thing Corinne still owns. Oh. <laughs> I do. I really do. And then you put it on your 4K TV and like they didn't format the DVD right and it's basically just this little box. You go, oh wow. Yeah. It's really compressed. Yep. But I don't have a 4K TV, so I don't really have to worry about Do you that. want a 4K player that might not play all the Blu-rays you own? <laughs> I don't have any 4Ks to play on it. Well, so. it upscales Blu-rays, too, so. Eh. All right. Well, Whatever. I mean, it could have been free. Corinne hates free shit. I guess so. I guess I'll give it to the <laughs> I'll contemplate. Percentage. I'll get back to you. My parents are looking for one. They'll take are it. Are they? Do you want yeah. it? Yeah. I'll give it to you. Sweet. It just need, it needs the HDMI cord because I just kept the one I had. Oh, I have plenty of them. Okay, cool. Yeah, yeah. I'll give it to you. <laughs> oh, no, no one Thank you. HDMI yeah. Cord. I was going to buy a Black Friday Blu-ray one, but I was yeah. like, oh, I should really wait for 4K because, you know, they'll get a 4K disc and they'll put it in and be like, it's not working. So the good news is, is all the 4Ks still work on it that yeah. I've used. And I recently put in a brand new one, so. Yeah, they're not going to be inserting any, like, collector's edition okay, obscure cool. shit. So. Yeah, uh, text me and remind me. I'll bring it to you. Sweet. Anyway. Problem solved. You Real nerds getting shit done. I don't. Oh. I can put it in my Sony box <laughs> that I still have. Yeah, what's coming out this week? So anyway, so I mean, if your parents <laughs> really appreciate it, then I'll totally do it. Yeah, no, they will. I'll, I'll just find like a clever way to make it look new. Uh, you'll need to get a new remote then. My dog scratched it up. You know, it was nice. Universal so, remotes. so you can get no, you can get um, on Samsung because they broke one of my remotes for my TV on Amazon. They're like nineteen dollars. Hmm. Yeah, no, it's fine. Like it's the less bad. remotes, my parents can use the best okay cool it freaks them out <laughs> when there's too many controls yeah anyways blu-rays dvd releases and blu-rays is one of the blu-rays that you're getting big trouble in little china oh, collector's edition i'm getting that one yeah you can uh, get that from screen factory is putting it out on blu-ray uh they also got a really that. cool steel book and a nice old uh vinyl edition that includes all the versions of the release and a LP of the soundtrack. Nice. So I uh, picked that up. Um, that I, I actually missed out on pre-ordering it, so I'm just going to mm. have to get it when I can. Yeah. Uh, but uh, on amongst new releases, uh, Ready or Not, a uh, little favorite oh. amongst us, is going to be finally released. Come, it's coming out. The, the shitty cover art. I know. The yeah, cover art's garbage. The, it's the worst cover art I've ever seen. It's mm, almost as Wizard if, of Oz. It, I don't think that's as bad as this. It is. This is lazy as shit. Uh, at the very least, that uh, that Wizard of Oz one had the like, oh, it's black and white, but then it's color. I'm like, okay, that I'm susceptible With the to the horrible that. like cartoon tornado in the middle. Yes, and again, <laughs> keep in mind, I'm susceptible to that kind of like, oh, that's adorable. This, however, is just literally text. 
what looks like a blood splatter and an attempt to look like a Kill Bill poster. Mm-hmm. Um, it's almost as if though the company that bought the rights to this movie doesn't give a shit. Universal. About it. Um, no, that's that a beautiful oh, movie poster. I don't know why they just copy it over. Oh, it is Fox. Yep, yeah, it's Fox. Um, uh, amongst the bigger releases, I guess, is Game of Thrones: The Complete Series is available in a couple of editions. So you can pick that up. The collector set, probably the really best cool, ending to actually. a show of all time, Game of Thrones. <laughs> Go fuck yourself, Ryan. <laughs> but between that, um, The Sopranos, and How I Met Your Mother, Sopranos is a great ending. That is a great ending. Everybody just likes to bitch about. I'm it. just saying, just like Game of Thrones. So same as Game of Thrones. Uh, yeah. I haven't seen Game of Thrones. So I, I mean. Know. If I didn't know how the books would end because a dude's not writing them, that's exactly how it would end this show. But he's but he's busy counting his money. I mean, I would. But I like the it. part where uh, Jon Snow was like, it truly is a Game of Thrones. <laughs> and and then... Um, it pu- the camera pulls back and reveals everyone's in a snow globe. <laughs> yeah. And, and then the, the dragon lady's like, you're right, a game you won of Thrones. <laughs> Uh-huh. That did not happen. These <laughs> thrones of the game you're playing <laughs> no longer matter. This may this may be the that's like, how it ends. If 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 it's relatively pri- well priced, I may just end up grabbing it and just finally watching this. No, I show. think it's a I think it's a cool show. You know, um, I I'm done with season seven, so I have one more season to go through. Mm-hmm. And it, it reminds me a lot of Lost, where people really hated the ending of Lost, but I didn't see it until about a year after it happened. I thought the ending of Lost was amazing. Yeah, so. Who knows? Um, but yeah, moving on. Look at Corinne just biting her tongue over there, like giving me. Okay, the, here's the thing. Between Corinne and my wife, man, I got my eyes rolled at me constantly today. <laughs> here's the thing, Ryan. So you, when you watch it, you will already know that people were disappointed with it, just like you knew that people were disappointed with the ending of Lost. Sure. So your expectations will be low. Well, no, I think even if you're disappointed with it, I don't. If it tells the story how it's supposed to be told, it doesn't oh, matter. Season eight is just a pile of garbage. <gasps> you haven't seen season eight yet, so you don't know. I know, I I know, but it's that it's, that's that's I mean, that's your opinion of season eight. Seasons one through four are great. Seasons five, six, seven all progressively get worse. But you also said Disney hasn't other. been great in years, and I can point to like five or six movies that are pretty great. So we're always in this constant struggle, Corinne. Always. <laughs> I'm just saying, Zootopia, you might want to Moana. reserve judgment until you actually see season eight and the finale because it I is. Will. I'm not. Uh, that's why I don't know yet. I've, I, I mean, I, I've heard people who watch the show. They've told me that they did not like how it yep. ended. So. Mantra of Real Nerds Podcast. We don't know until we see it. Yep. So we'll um, see. Maybe, maybe I'll hate it. Who knows? You know. Hey, Ryan, have you seen Slaughterhouse Five from 1972? I have. Okay, well, you can now watch it again with oh, Arrow Video on Blu-ray. I'm good, thanks. Um, uh, <laughs> it's a good movie. It's good. It's, it's not it? a great adaptation. Is, is it? Good? It's, it's okay. It's not the book, but nothing's going to be that book because that book is written okay. by a wonderfully insane person. <laughs> this um, is movies, not books. <laughs> me no need to read. No, but I. I appreciate what they did with that movie, but it's made in the 70s. They don't really – they're not going for the true essence of Vonnegut, nor are they going to. Yeah. Uh, this is Real Nerds it's Podcast, right. not Page Nerds Podcast. Ooh. So, Pardon Ooh. me, Mr. Snippy. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> hey, um, he's from New York. His opinion matters more than oh, anybody else. I'm the... very important. <laughs> um uh, Criterion's putting out a couple things. Uh, the Story of Temple Drake with Miriam Hopkins from 1933. You can check mm-hmm. that out. Uh, and then an Alec Guinness movie from 1960 called Tunes of Glory. I've never heard of this. Mm-hmm. I'd love to check it out. 
Um, Kino Lobor's putting out the was magic. Was all about sword. Eve last week? Yeah, it was last week. Hmm. Yeah, so now, they've been rolling out a lot for the holidays. Um, along with now, Vo- now Voyager was last week as well. Another Betty Davis. Yeah, it was Betty Davis week last nice. week. Nice. Um, I wonder if she had Betty Davis eyes. I- I'm pretty sure she does. I'd have to double check. You can see. <laughs> um, the Phantasm Sphere Collection She's is being released. <laughs> so is it? Are they putting the movies actually in the sphere? I can't tell. <laughs> It'd be. Can you tell me? <laughs> It'd be sweet if you opened it and it went, boy. <laughs> So, anyone else think the first Phantasm's garbage, but the second one's pretty, like, insanely awesome? So, I've never seen... Never seen him. Oh. Neither have I, but I've seen the... I've seen clips of him going, boy! Like, so, I I get that reference. They're but, okay. Um, I have I have to check it out. I Originally, before I did Hitchcock, I was going to do Don Coscarelli, but I did not do well, that. Well, it'd be nice to him, because I heard he's a fucking asshole, so... Hmm. <laughs> Bruce Campbell won't work with him ever again. Yeah. I mean, I've heard they're still friends off, off yeah, off professional. Exactly, stuff, so. he won't work with him professionally. Well, that's you know sometimes you just like me and Brad. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, and then that looks like it's pretty much it, unless you really want to see the 4K Ultra HD IMAX enhanced narrated by Russell Crowe documentary called Turtle Odyssey. Uh, well, I want if I if if I ever wanted to do something with my free time, it's listen to Russell Crowe talk about turtles. Please tell me it I is so a too. an adaptation of the Odyssey with turtles. <gasps> Ooh. Now, see, I would watch that. That, that would be <laughs> great, especially if they were teenage mutant ninja turtles. Oh my god! So. And there could be a Cyclops turtle, and then there can be some sirene turtles and all that. Did stuff. you see I Knives mean, Out of the Alamo? If Wishbone can do it, why can't the teenage mutant ninja turtles? I, I did the, the the pre-show with like the dogs as detectives. I really want to see the whole movie. No, uh, yeah, they'll never show the whole thing. I know. I'm just saying, I have to find that movie. Um, <laughs> it's like from the 30s, and it's these dogs with human voices, and it's pretty crappy, but it looks awesome. What yeah. does IMAX enhanced mean? I don't know. I think that just means that the frame is full. Yeah. So uh, some movies that are, if you watch, um, (laughs) so Spider-Man Far From Home in 4K Mm -hmm. is normal letterbox until it's IMAX parts and it stretches out on the screen. Oh, kind of like you do that in Dark Knight. Yeah, the Nolan stuff. Um, And I lied. There is one more release. It's the Goldfinch. Um, Oh, I saw that. The only reason I didn't bring it up is because I was the only one (laughs) (laughs) ever. Warner Brothers. It was so. Eh. <laughs> <laughs> it's like I read the book, and the book's great, uh, and you can tell that it's supposed to be a book. Like, uh, and that's it. <laughs> they kind of cut like, like the most interesting part of the book gets into when they get into like art forgery and like the underground art illegal trade, and they like boiled that down to like ten minutes in the movie, mm. which is kind of like the fun part of the book. Uh, I mean, it's fine if it's not awful. Um, but, but if you was... if you're real, you might like it. You like boring shit like I do. Um, <laughs> like, so you might enjoy it. Like, yes. I've never read the Goldfinch, but I did watch the Thug Notes YouTube video about it. So I feel like I've I feel like I, I've been there. I mean, that one also won the Pulitzer Prize, so it's fine. I'm so g- I'm glad I'm not the only one who's watched Thug Notes. <laughs> Thug Notes is great. It's wonderful. Um, but yeah, that's Blu-rays. Yeah, I just feel like they're wearing their uh, like bulletproof vests. Or is it just me? Just me. Perfect. Every every day I get out of bed, I'm like, God, I just feel like I got to get this bulletproof vest off me. Actually, not bulletproof vest. I know these rock-hard abs and chest kind of feel like I'm wearing a bulletproof <laughs> yes. vest all the time. Yes. There's a lot of ego. J. Crew model? <laughs> I've been spreading that rumor. <laughs> Thanks, buddy. Yep. <laughs> 
Um, this is some stuff we've been watching this week, and I guess Corinne watched something. I don't know. She teased you at the beginning of the show of YouTube being there and then going to the library for a British thing, and I'm guessing it has to do with tea and biscuits, but... And I'm sure she'll tell us there's a hot guy in it, and it's probably some dude with fucked up teeth, and uh, this is the stuff we've been watching this week. So, uh, yeah, this is the stuff we've been watching. Uh, okay, so I'm willing to bet it's Hugh Grant. Is the is the guy this week? Oh, oh, the hooker fucker. You know, if I was a British guy and my wife was Elizabeth Hurley, who is stunning, I would probably ruin my marriage by fucking some hooker in L.A. Also, very very <laughs> small detail from the '90s, sir. I'm glad that you dick. remember it. I remember. I don't remember it. <laughs> I remember who killed Bob Crane. God damn it. <laughs> Weren't you like five minutes ago talking about how you're too old to remember stuff? <laughs> yeah, but that was that was just a that was just me saying that I was that that's part of the gig, you know. You're like, oh, he's dumb, but I really remember. Hey, I don't know if I've trusted cop with memory loss. <laughs> to be fair, I remember, thank you for laughing at my Bob Crane joke. Uh, the yeah, only person. I mean, you know I what? I don't know who that is. Uh, well, uh, he, he, <laughs> it's okay. He's dead. Bob Crane. <laughs> he doesn't know who he is either. Bob Crane was a pseudonym for Greg Kinnear, and he was killed by Willem Dafoe. It, it, watch Autofocus, you know, guys. You could, it's a great that movie could by be Paul truthful Schrader. or a lie, and it makes no difference to me. Watch, <laughs> so. watch Autofocus by Paul Schrader. Corinne, what have you watched? No, Papa, this isn't your show. <laughs> this is not your show. Brad, what have you been watching this week? Oh, the suspense rises. <laughs> um, this week, I watched... Uh, I went to the theater and I watched the Never Surrender Galaxy Quest documentary. Oh. Hmm. And uh, that was way more fun than I, th- than I thought it would be. Because um, I feel like the Blu-ray kind of has enough supplementals that you kind of get the story. Hmm. But um, this, uh, like, it's from the people who do the... Um, Trailers. Honest trailers, screen junkies. yeah, screen junkies. Um, I like <clears throat> so is it good? Unlike honest trailers, <laughs> it's actually like a really well-made uh, documentary, and they even get most of the people from the movie. Like even Tim Allen's in there, <laughs> Sigourney Weaver. Or Just Sam tell Rockwell. me they don't go. And now we're gonna talk to the star of it because that's what like honest trailers does. <laughs> no, but there's some uh, like there's a lot of <laughs> thank you, Andrew. Because <laughs> they would do that. <laughs> Uh, but they do have some really in-depth stuff talking about how like Alan Rickman didn't like Tim Allen in, in, in on set. Really? Yeah. Oh yeah, because um, Tim Allen's an asshole. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> there's a one the part mm-hmm. where Tim Allen like has to actually emote and act when uh, Malthazar he has to actually do his job. <laughs> yeah, like for for most of the movie, he's just being like this arrogant, uh, swaggery guy. And then he has to actually do this heartfelt scene mm-hmm. uh, with Malthazar dying. And then Alan Rickman was over by the director, like off camera. And it's like, uh, it's like I wonder how he feels like actually acting for once. Uh, something, nice. Some that effect. Ooh. Or the no, Rick. That, no, he, he whispered. Uh, Looks like Tim finally discovered acting. <laughs> Love it. Yeah, because Rickman's a badass actor, so that's awesome. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so they go through like all these great levels of production like casting and uh like finding the director and then actually held ramus was supposed to direct it initially mm-hmm. and then dropped out because uh be like he just wasn't vibing with because tim allen was involved <laughs> <laughs> yeah actually like trying wow. to trying to cast the captain to was his the grave. hardest part yeah i forget who else was uh <laughs> 20 years later 
Um, yeah, I forget who else was like in the running. I think Bruce Willis was actually one of the people they showed. Did they only want to cast like extreme assholes for the lead? <laughs> like, well, if you're trying to capture that Shatner Kirk vibe, that kind of makes sense. Was O.J. Right? Simpson just unavailable that day? <laughs> like, so. Well, uh, I like. Uh, I think their reasoning was like initially with Harold Ramis, they were trying to find um, someone who could just be the silly captain. Mm. Uh, but the the guy who ended up directing it realized that it had to be this guy who. Um, actually, the writers said it was uh, like the like they had the, the original idea for Galaxy Quest was like this other thing, and the writer was the only one who came in and said like um, the main character has to. Uh, actually love being the character and wish you could keep doing it again. Whereas the original vision, like he, there was always a wash up who hate, like he was a, he was like William Shatner who did like the Saturday Night Live skit where it's like, get over Star Trek. Mm. Like that's how he's originally written. And then the new writer came in and switched it where he's like, mm. he would love to play this character again. And like, that's all he lives for. Um, that's where it really clicked to like make yeah, the movie work. It gives the heart to the movie. Yeah. So it, yeah, it's great. If you get a chance to check it out. I, I never, definitely recommend it. I know we were ragging on Alan, but I do like the scene when he's like at the convention, he's signing stuff, and then at just one point, he's just suddenly like his depression just starts going sinking in because of the guys who are making fun of him, and he just like gets very testy and leaves. Like, oh, the character, yeah, yeah, he, yeah, he's good in it. Like, he it is the best Tim Allen performance. Period. I, there's no other. Other good than one. Buzz Lightyear. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, live action. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, definitely worth a watch. And then the uh, last thing I watched was Executive Decision. Oh. Which is like the other Air Force One <laughs> movie. Um, Steven Seagal dying early. <laughs> yep. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, whoever has not seen it yet. Well, I haven't seen it, Zach. <laughs> oh, whatever. You know what? RDJ is the bad guy. <laughs> <laughs> so. Way to go, Zach. You're the Charlie Brown of the podcast. <laughs> just whatever you do don't offer for me to kick any footballs <laughs> my back hurts so this movie is like really uh quite i don't know it's just i like air force one and mm-hmm. there really are similar movies except kurt russell's not the president but he's still like a data analyst who gets sucked into it's actually closer to die hard too yeah um but i was just uh like watching the movie uh, i don't know it's 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 so like '90s silly action movie, and it's just not as well. It, it seems like a lot of decisions were made by like different level of people. I don't think it's choreographed as well, mm-hmm. like the uh, the pacing and stuff. Yeah, and, and the action. I don't think it knows what it wants to be. Yeah, um, and it's also like I, I wrote a note down because like the movie started out with the same setup as Air Force One, except you know minus the president being involved. Um, but it was one of those movies from that era where like within six months a similar movie came out so it's like executive decision in air force one a bug's life and ants uh <laughs> deep impact armageddon uh like those kind of movies and uh but like even like like i said it was similar to that die hard too even the ending is similar because the plane crashes or it does that crash landing right and so all the emergency vehicles are like pulling up and then you know in die hard 2 bruce willis gets out like finds his wife and they drive off in the limo or whatever. Yeah. Uh, and there's like a Christmas song. That's the same ending to oh, this that's movie. That's right. Fuck. Um, but wow, yeah, Kurt Russell my mind like, right now. Yeah. He's like the only guy who can recognize this terrorist voice on recordings. Um, and he gets recruited to go up 
uh, some uh, terrorists actually. I doubt they ever show this movie on uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> cable anymore because uh, it's like if you wanted to know how to hijack a plane, uh, yeah, they they go into great levels of detail, kind of mm-hmm. showing, and and there's like guns already stashed on the plane at one point, like how those even get there, I don't know, but um, is it fair to say like even though like Die Hard Two's got like a John McClane in Die it Harder, to, to kind of the rest of it. Sure. Um, <laughs> um, to kind of carry it through, like, I kind of, like, prefer rewatching Executive Decision over a Die Hard 2. It's not because Die Hard 2 is not good. It's just it doesn't interest me as much as, say, like, watching Kurt Russell fight bad guys on a plane. John McClane's a more interesting yeah. character he, to follow. He is, but, like, out of all the Die Hard movies, I have options to watch. Like, it's... It, I mean, oh, I'd watch that before 5 any day. Yeah. So... Yeah. But I sure. guess that's true. But I don't know. Like, I mean, I don't think executive decisions bad. Like, it's it's watchable. It's just like, it just has. I don't remember well. it now. Oh yeah, I'm sure it has. Like I said, like but... it's it's tough to watch like terrorists hijack a plane. Yeah, um, sure. I think it's because I like Kurt Russell a lot. <laughs> Kurt Russell's um, fine. Yeah, he, I mean he's fine in it, and like most of the people in it are fine. It's just like it's just not as interesting and well crafted as Air yeah. Force One. You know. Yeah. Um, like there's even one point where you think like the action's going to pick up, and actually there's surprisingly not a lot of action in this movie. Yeah, yeah it's more of a thriller. Or attempted a thriller. It's more of a romance. Yeah. Um, between Kurt Russell and the sky. <laughs> like, there's whole sequences just like, okay, they get up into, which I, I've never been on a plane that has, like, three rows and, like, the large middle section. And, no? Like, there's all these extra headroom to, like, uh, go into the rafters and, like, look down through the cabin. Uh, yeah, Fly International. Yeah. yeah. Like, 747s actually have a whole second deck. Yeah, for the, like, yeah. it's a little half deck for yeah. the uh, captain's cabin and everything. And then there's, like, a little... Uh, dumb waiter that goes down between mm-hmm. the two decks. Like, yeah. The only uh, time I've flown on one like that was like from LA to New York. So it's like those types of flights. Yeah, so yeah. definitely long ones. Or snakes on a plane. Snakes on a plane is a good double decker. A lot of space. That's right. For plenty of snakes to be on that fucking plane. Yep. Yeah. And there's high stakes. Like there's a, <laughs> you know, like uh, 24, like the nerve gas. Uh, they have this suitcase of nerve gas that has like a, a trigger system, and then halfway through the movie, we find out like it was a decoy trigger. There's actually another one embedded <laughs> inside, it and it has lasers pointed at the little thing, and you can't. Once the two metal tips touch, then they'll go off. So uh, Oliver Platt has to put a straw mm. between them and save the day. Oliver it's like playing operations, so he doesn't hit the lasers. It's just like that is mid nineties. <laughs> yeah, like I said, it's just like they were making the movie, and the producers just like hmm. Not suspenseful enough. Add another layer. Add lasers to it. Uh, but why? It doesn't make any sense. Don't question my vision. We shot the. You terrorist. already vetoed the sharks. <laughs> the terrorist is dead. Now let's try to crash the plane. I just realized my defense argument for executive decision went down when I remembered that that was part of the movie. <laughs> oh, and then uh, the terrorists do shoot a hole in the in the window, so a section of the wi- the plane gets sucked apart. But then the rest of it's fine. Like yeah. it survives like another hundred miles with this hole in it. It, and then people aren't getting sucked out anymore. Well, luckily, just put another straw in that hole, and it was fine. Yeah. So. <laughs> put up some of the complimentary open with the blankets. <laughs> guys, 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 guys. Straw. Straw. It'll solve all the problems. Steven yeah. Skull's dead. Straw. Uh, Joe Morton from Terminator 2. Like, he's right. the captain or whatever. And mm-hmm. he, like, while they're, they're, while they're coming from the stuff fighter <laughs> into the cabin, like, he gets knocked unconscious. And then, like, through, through the rest of the movie, he's just, like, laying there trying to dictate, like, how you cross the wires and stuff. Just, yeah. It's like movie where they just add <laughs> levels and levels of suspense to things that are just like, oh, my God, this is implausible. <clears throat> was That's on, all I watched. Was it on oh. Netflix? Or? Yeah. Okay, I'm going to rewatch it. Yeah, Netflix has, like, a whole cache of, like, 
B-level 90s movies that I'm working through. Like I, last, uh, The Last Boy Scout I did last oh, yeah. week, and you weren't here. It's always mm-hmm. fun when you find I haven't heard like... the episode yet. It's not up yet. <laughs> yep. <laughs> so I don't know. I know. Um, Corinne, what did you watch this week? From the British Broadcasting Channel. Well, since you brought it up. Um... I'm anxious. You're the boy. <laughs> the longer you wait, the only the worse it's going to get. You just need to reveal it. Um, so I think whenever we talked about Mansfield Park on here, I mentioned how I've never read Northanger Abbey, which is one of Jane Austen's six novels that she wrote. Mm-hmm. And so I decided, well, I'm, I don't know if I want to read it, but I can at least watch the adaptation of it, right? So I found it on YouTube, and I watched it, and it's really good. Mm-hmm. Um, Except for the last part that didn't work. That is true. Yeah, the the audio got um, out of sync. So like they would say something, and then like five seconds later, they would actually talk. Oh, so. that's, that's hard to watch. Yeah, yeah. but um, it's really good. It's got Felicity Jones in it. The version I, like I Felicity watched. Felicity Jones. Um, hmm. I think it's two thousand seven. I want to say, and uh, the Mister Tilney is J J Field. Hmm. Who was in Ford v. Ferrari, apparently. Yep. Although I don't know who he played, but... The Ferrari. You should be on the show more often, Henry. Thank you for laughing at my jokes. <laughs> Henry, the human laugh track. I'm an Italian call. Nah, J.J. Field's pretty good. He's... Um, uh, I watched him in a movie earlier this year called Austin Land, mm-hmm. and he plays like the... He's the main the um, guy in that as well. And he, I mean, I wouldn't say he's like sexy, but he's definitely good looking. So that's always a bonus. Ryan. I said, he it was, have I said it was a bonus. Teeth. <laughs> Probably because it's CGI. <laughs> nope. This, nope. Do you remember the old, uh, what was it? What was the name of the toothpaste on Saturday Night Live with Mike Myers as Headley and Weich? Yeah. And as a British toothpaste made with two cups <laughs> of pure cane sugar. <laughs> Anywho. Have any of you read or watched Northanger Abbey? No. no. Henry? I'm, no. Okay. I am Austin ignorant. <sighs> That's sad. Um, I know. I'm a sad person. I mean, this is, like I said, this was the only one of the six that I hadn't read or watched. So one, as I was watching it, I was like... Picking out different, like, Austin-type characters of, like, oh, that's the guy, he's not to be trusted. Oh, this is the, like, friend who will end up doing something shitty later when she did. And Mr. Tilney, when he's first introduced, is, like, almost a little too good to be true. Mm. And so I was, like, wary of it. I'm, like, I know he's, like, the Austin hero of the story, but, like, how do we get there? Like, does he do something first and then he you know whatever and yeah. so yeah so what you're saying is that jane austen's a hack oh no she's no, not a hack didn't. she just uses some of the same plot points and mm. and character descriptors in you know like Will- willoughby in sense and sensibility is very similar to wickham mm. in pride and prejudice two words and <laughs> 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 I guess so. Yeah, I mean, the only thing I've been familiar with in the Austin realm is Pride and Prejudice. So and, and zombies. Pre- well, that too, but the other one too. So um, yeah, this movies is actually pretty good. This <clears throat> is um, 
I think this was Jane Austen wrote it earlier in her career and I've been told that the book itself is kind of rough reading because of that like it's just it's a young writer kind of trying to find her voice and I mean that's not necessarily a bad thing but that's just one of the reasons why I haven't read it yet okay um but so Northanger Abbey is a house that the protagonist um who's played by Felicity Jones in the adaptation goes to toward the end of the she story Stephen Hawkins if I remember correctly yeah, perfect. And um, so, you know, as she's, like, driving up, Mr. Tilney is, like, telling her, like, oh, you know, it's supposedly haunted and, like, has all these, like, ghost stories and things attached to it. Cool, I'm and invested. So it, it kind of has, like, an atmosphere to it once they get to the house itself, but there's, like, an underlying thread of, like, the dangers of becoming wrapped up in a fantasy world hmm. because she reads a lot of novels and kind of fantasizes about things that happen in the novels happening to her. Yeah, you just have to watch it. It's hard to explain. Does it but... operate in a bit of a gothic realm, like gothic romance? Yeah, I, what, like toward the end of it, yes. Okay. Once they get to Northanger Abbey, yes. As insane as Crimson Peak? <laughs> I haven't seen Crimson Peak, but it's, it's very much in a Jane Eyre sort of... You should borrow Crimson Peak from me and tell me what you think. Because I think you... I don't know if you'll love it. That is a horror film you might not mind. Yeah, it's because it is. A, I, it's not. It's I mean, not, I know the premise of it, and I know Tom Hiddleston's in it, and it's like a period drama yeah. horror. And it's yeah. kind of like a Wuthering Heights or a Rebecca yeah. in that respect. Um, I think about it. That might not be a Wuthering bad one for Heights you to watch. Is garbage. Yeah. <sighs> and uh, it's Guillermo del Toro, so there are monsters and blood. Yes, I but, do like Guillermo del Toro. But, but the monsters are not what they seem. <laughs> Um, but no, that this sounds interesting to, I might want to check out, like, maybe it'll be compelling me to read some Jane Austen finally. You I should. Know. I mean, I like her stuff. What the hell's happening over there? <laughs> Nothing. Keep talking about your movie. Uh-huh. Yeah. Sure. Um, uh, so as you might've heard, I got Disney plus. Hell yeah. I watched the little mermaid. Yay. It's amazing. Mm-hmm. I watched beauty and the beast. It's also amazing. I kind of forgot how good that movie is on Great its own movie. merit. Yeah. Um, I want to do a post about it because it's like, one of those movies you watch and you, it's because everybody it's so universally loved and you forget how great of a movie it actually is when you mm-hmm. watch it. You go, oh, yeah, this is why this movie. I did the same thing with Aladdin a couple weeks ago. Mm-hmm. Well, there are all those assholes on the Internet that like try to tear the movie apart through like plot holes like. Well, if he was a per- if he was a beast for ten years, then it's twenty one now. Then that means that he answered the doors an eleven year old. And you're like, shut the fuck up! It's they, a fucking fairy tale. They they know it's a cartoon, right? <laughs> they know that cartoon logic. They don't. That's why mesh. I don't. That's why I don't dig deep on the internet. I go to like six websites. <laughs> because if that's the case, <laughs> I want to find dig it. deep to find it. Because if that's the case, I want to ask those people. Do you think that Daffy Duck, when his bill gets turned around during the duck season, mm. rabbit season routine, do you think that? He has like a huge procedure to twist it back on. No, he just twists it back on. Sorry. Rant over. (laughs) So uh, I know one of the things they pointed out in the Honest trailer of the animated version is like how... What's this beast doing here? (laughs) Fucking hate Honest trailers. Is how um, Gaston and the Beast are very similar. Hmm. You know, like, they're both violent, they're both hairy, mm. they both, Im- like, uh, imprison her dad. But one has room to go, uh, to, to grow, and the other one is good at expectorating. 
Well, no one's tough as Gaston. One of the things I noticed is that Gaston is like constantly violent to LeFou. Oh, yeah. Like he's like constantly like throwing stuff at him or like pushing him around. And I'm like, he's a bully. Yes. The, The beast, as much of an asshole as he is at the beginning of the movie, does not inflict violence on anybody. Except Other than wolves. Maurice. Well, those wolves had it coming, man. Yeah. yeah, those wolves. But they're not humans. They're not humans. That's the point. Yeah. No, no. <laughs> no they're just filthy animals. <laughs> Vegan just wolf. like he is. <laughs> yeah, that's silly. Anyway, Hashtag so, wolf rights. <laughs> <laughs> I want to do a post about it um, eventually. Because I've, I've wanted to do one for a while on like different adaptations of Beauty and the Beast and like how much merit each of them have. I still love in the remake when Ian McKellen asked to be changed back. <laughs> Great moment. Um, so I had been talking with Henry earlier that I watched a Martin Scorsese movie this week. Hmm. I watched Silence for the Ooh. first time. It's a good recent one. It's a uh, very un-Scorsese Scorsese film to watch. Yeah. Really? Yeah. It's Well, it's it's not. Andrew Garfield broke my heart in that movie. And Emma Stones. Ooh. That's true. Um, it, it's, it's, I think, mainly what amongst Peter it Parker is... Parker and Stacy died that day. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, give you some, some story there. They were dating and he cheated on her while he was making that movie. Because he said he needed to be committed to this character. Could he be committed to Adam character? Driver. <laughs> yep. Because he was wearing those Kylo high pants and it was just... On. Well, and Liam Neeson because he's Liam Neeson, yeah. and there are stories about Liam yeah. Neeson. Anyways, um, silence, Grin. Um, <laughs> I, I'm I have mixed feelings about it. Hmm. I really liked the subject matter that they were tackling. I think that's a story that needs to be told. Mm-hmm. I just don't know if that was the way to tell it because the movie feels really long. Um, I had a about an hour long conversation with Jerry on the phone before I came here, and we were talking at length about this movie. And we agreed that it should have been a miniseries. I think that this story lends itself better to a miniseries type format than a like almost three hour long movie. I could see that. Because um, the pacing really yeah. does feel weird. Because right about the time that Andrew that Garfield's <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right about the time that Andrew Garfield's character gets captured, I was like, oh, so like we're gonna start wrapping this up, right? He's getting captured. Like, this is usually where things start to go south right before the big, and then the thing ends. Mm -hmm. And I looked at the thing. It's like, nope, we still have an hour and a half left of this thing. Yeah. I, he gets captured multiple times, doesn't he? Yeah, it's it's not the. I mean, like, was this it, was like the final time when he gets captured and sent to when he's when he's when he's in that community and meets Liam Neeson again, and Liam Neeson's going like, recant. But I mean, I appreciated the length, in as much as that it allowed me to kind of go through his crisis of faith in an almost unnatural, almost natural folding, unfolding of that situation up to the very end point. Um, but I could actually, I, I'd love to see it in a mini series format within that respect. Um, I've never, read I the... think that would help with like the tonal shifts and like the different subject matter. Cause like the first half is it's like, it's on the ground level. Like you're seeing the problem, like through the perspective of these priests and the peasants. But then the second half shifts to, you know, when he's in prison and he's talking to the inquisitor, mm-hmm. the governor, whatever, 
and it looks more at like the big picture perspective and the kind of political things that are going on and like the entire like the issue hasn't changed but the way that it's looked at has changed dramatically and i think if you broke it up into a mini series it would help because it almost feels like two different movies mm-hmm. uh- by design, I think it already is going to be that anyway, no matter what. And the story itself is kind of two different things because then it suddenly becomes much more about, it's less about saving Father Rivera than about dealing with Andrew Garfield's character's crisis of faith. And it's a good movie. It's a really, it's a, it's, it's a, a well-made movie. I mean, it looks beautiful and all the performances are great. I appreciate it on multiple levels. One of them being it's the one Scorsese film that James will agree is good. So, <laughs> um, but I mean, I I appreciated the approach to it because it's kind of like a good capper to his religious trilogy, which would be Last Temptation of Christ, Kundun, and this. So, um, and... I think out of all three of those, Last Temptation of the Christ is the only one that looks like a Scorsese movie. Do you, do you remember in Last Temptation of Christ when he <laughs> goes in there and starts punching all the people? <laughs> yeah, that was awesome. It is awesome. <laughs> Chris Farley interviewed Martin Scorsese. But yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm glad you like, at I least th- watched I, it. I you know? really appreciate having like discussions about it. I think it raises some good questions and like some topics of conversation, but there were still aspects about it that frustrate me. I mean, like when I, when I watched it, I had like, I, I, I certainly haven't gone to church in years. Like my faith kind of took a nosedive years ago, but I appreciate stories that try to tackle with that issue. And I think that silence does it very well. Um, <clears throat> it's not, it's not like a Scorsese movie. I'm going to go back to willingly a bunch. Like I'll watch the Irishman again before I'll watch silence. Cause Irishman's a story that compels me more, but um, and also Irishman's great too. Mm-hmm. And the last thing I'll talk about, um, which I will probably write a post about for the website is the Mandalorian, mm. which is fucking awesome. It is and awesome. it's, uh, it's probably going to get a couple of thousand words said about how awesome it is. Nice. I love the, uh, now the, the baby Yoda sipping soup is like a thing now. Yes. All over the internet. Cause I wanted something to replace that fucking cat one and I'm glad it's baby Yoda. Mm. Um. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I've loved the memes that are coming out mm. of it, but this show is great. Oh yeah, it's fun. Um, it's to the point now where I have to watch it like first thing when I wake up on Friday because I Did don't it want come the out internet. On Fridays though, because it seems like they're like all over the place, or maybe I'm just not paying attention closely. Well, enough. when it first launched, the Tuesday it launched on a Tuesday, and the first yeah. episode was already uploaded. Then that Friday, right after. The second episode was uploaded, mm. and so then it's been every gotcha. Friday since. Gotcha. So yeah, I have to watch it like that morning, or otherwise the internet will spoil things for me. Mm. Like I've tried to stay up till midnight, but it doesn't get posted at midnight. Damn it. Yeah. It anyway, it's awesome. That's all I've been watching. Zach, uh, just a couple things. <laughs> more than a couple things. Uh, oh fuck. Um, Who would have guessed? I've <laughs> only got 20 minutes left, guys, so. Oh. <laughs> Wait, what? <laughs> the sponsors are really getting on our ass this week. Yeah. So. Yeah. What sponsors? Uh, are an hour 30 from now on, so. Tweaked <laughs> audio? <laughs> no sponsor. Um, I rewatched uh, Ken Burns' Roosevelt's An Intimate History. Um, <laughs> you and Ken Burns, man. <laughs> I love Ken. He's a wonder. He, you know what? He's a, he's a wonderful cat. You've I don't probably know, seen for... more Ken Burns movie than Ken Burns. <laughs> hey. Somebody has to, right? I mean, he shot all that footage and enlarged all those photographs and zoomed in on all those photographs. Like, 
Who else is going to watch it but me? Did he recently do one about country music? Or he is that hasn't. Somebody I haven't else? watched it yet because I don't have. I we've got a DVR. I don't use it. My folks use it, so um, I'm going to wait till I can purchase it. But he did do that one. Yeah, yeah he did. Okay, because um, well. Here's a little peek into my work life. I talked to John McEwen hmm. of the Nitty Gritty Dirt Band when he was in Silver Plume for for like a concert, and he told me he's in that documentary. Oh, nice. Um, Might be near the end then. No, I, can't I don't remember. He's, I think he's in a couple of different episodes. Right on. Yeah, no. Um, I mean, I would definitely want to check it. I love his jazz um, miniseries, so I would definitely check out the country music one because he... He has a way of introducing yeah. a case for different types of genres and different types of subjects. The Roosevelt one I've seen multiple times, like within the last four years. I just like rewatching it. I don't know why. It's just an interesting story. Um, <clears throat> and uh, within that, I kind of kept the PBS train going and I watched The American Experience, The Circus. Um, and there's nothing like extremely like Fuck significant. Animals. <laughs> well, see, like, and so I, I only watched the first part. <laughs> I've only watched the first part and I need to watch part two still, but like the first 10 minutes of it, I had almost forgotten like, Oh yeah, the circus isn't around anymore. Yeah. That's so weird. Um, like just cause like it was all everywhere where I was when I was a kid. But, um, uh, the thing that in the first 10 minutes they talk about PT Barnum and his history. And I was just like, Oh, I, I remember being fair towards greatest showman and if it's irresponsible or not. And I don't think I could make that defense anymore because there's even stuff that's presented in that documentary that I didn't even realize the full extent of PT Barnum's despicableness. Like I knew that he was a problematic fucker, but like there's problematic. Some... That's a good way to put it. Yeah. <laughs> um, <Sorry. laughs> oh, oh, I'll, I'll be meaner. He's an asshole. But um, but there's just like I don't think there's any way I could ever tell somebody yeah watch Greatest Showman like be misinformed that's totally cool but it's mm -hmm. fine because Hugh Jackman's in it I mean and he's good in that movie but that's not the point um, but yeah the Circus uh, American Experience Part One good so far I'm gonna watch Part Two I'll let y'all know what happened to the circus spoiler alert I think it got destroyed oh no <laughs> spoiler alert I think a f elephant flew <laughs> <laughs> I ain't never seen an elephant fly no way no how I saw a peanut stand and heard a rubber band. Um, uh, uh, let's see. I, um, sorry, I thought I watched something. I guess I didn't. Um, I, uh, went with Henry on Friday and I finally saw Dr. Sleep. Um, I've had to make this disclosure when I've discussed it with people. I don't hate Kubrick's The Shining. I don't love it as much as other people do. Um, it's a it's a good movie. The Shining's very polarizing. Yeah, I th found. but that's the thing. Like, I mean, like it's we've talked about it before. It's just it's not a go to for me. I like it, like, and I'll watch it. But like, it's well I made. But like, over discussing it has been like a kind of a deterrent for me because I'm just like I don't. You know what? Room two thirty seven. That documentary is a good documentary about how people are crazy. Well, like, you know why I don't like it. I think my biggest problem with it is, yeah, is it's the movie that critics will say is the greatest horror film of all time, and I don't believe it's a horror film. See, I think that 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 over expect or that over hyping is an issue. It's a good movie. It's a hypnotic movie, and it keeps you focused. It's well made, but exactly, and like Nicholson's good in it. But again, mm -hmm. like, is it something that I go back to? Do I consider it one of the scariest movies ever made? Not really. Um, but I really liked Dr. Sleep because in spite of the fact that I don't revere the shining, I do love the shining and I like discussing Kubrick and talking Kubrick. 
This plus you and McGregor's in it, and he's hot. Oh, hot I'll, AF. I'll, oh, I'll I'll get to him. And also, I just want to point: Rebecca Ferguson is fucking gorgeous in this movie. Yeah, and she's good in it. Murder too. me any goddamn day, Rebecca <laughs> <Ferguson>. <laughs> Um, but uh, anyway, I should. Uh, but I what I could say is that Mike Flanagan, who directed Gerald's Game, did this film. He did a thankless job of merging two divergent visions and making something cohesive out of it that's i think one of one of my favorite movies of the year only because how much fun i had watching it uh if you don't know dr sleep it's about danny torrance who was the kid in the shining he's grown up years later he's become a drunk like his father he decides to clean up his act becomes an orderly in a hospital where he's kind of comforting people in their final moments using his shine um, and he gets sober and then discovers other people with other shines who are hunting. Uh, and is it sucking. called The Shine or is it The Shining? They call it The Shining or the sh- or a shine. Like, they kind of go between both. Well, I mean, he is a, a janitor, so maybe he's shining the floor, so I'm getting confused. Ooh. <laughs> that, that's a good joke. That's, that's a thinker. That's a, that's a, on the, that's yes. a way homer right there. Yes. Um, but, uh, but he discovers that uh, bad, people with, bad people with The Shining... Um, are hunting down and killing children with shine and sucking out their energy before they die uh, based out of their fear and stuff. Um, and he makes a connection with a young woman who's their next target. And um, uh, within that gets to confront his own demons, despite having moved on from those events by getting sober and all that stuff. One of the reasons I love the film is partially because of that aspect of like, how does one deal with recovery? Um, but in a more major focus, like it takes a lot of balls to take the Kubrick version, which is lauded by cinephiles and, size balls. I I mean, are they the ones that he can bounce on? And <laughs> if that's the case, then I think yes. Zach, don't overexplain my jokes. Um, <laughs> to take that, to take those two different versions of what King wants and what Kubrick wants, and to take those visuals that have been so lauded over the past 30, 30 or forty years, and to repurpose them in an emotional in an emotional and human way is fascinating and i think successful um do you need this movie to exist no but i'm kind of happy that it exists and what i appreciate about it is that it doesn't disrespect kubrick's version of the shining which is kind of a cold isolated look at a, a family falling apart at the seams it actually provides the human counterpoint to the shining by going like okay how does one see those events years later like a cold distant memory and how does the humanity kind of come back to it and king gets everything he wants in this film the boiler explodes and all that stuff but i i appreciated that it was it was this balancing act that flanagan did so well like i don't think it's a perfect movie it's a little too long and i think it's a little overstuffed at times but I really liked living in the world, much like a Hobbit movie. Like I really liked living in the world, even though there are issues with it. Um, so I'd actually, I think you might like it, and especially, you know, if you like Gerald's game, I think you'll appreciate what he Hello does. Season pass, <laughs> yeah. So yeah, there you go. If it's if it's still at Sloan's Lake, uh, I yeah. had to go to AMC for it. But, yeah, maybe not. Um, but yeah, I mean, I. I, I really liked it. Like it was one of my favorite viewing experiences this year because it it kind of got me thinking about like man like this is this should be an impossible task and he somehow pulls it off. Does it need to happen? No, but I'm glad it's there. <laughs> you know the best adaptation of The Shining is mm. 
The Simpsons, Treehouse of Horror, number six. <laughs> Give me the bed. Give me the bed. Give me the bed. Now, now, di- now that I have Disney Plus, I can actually watch The Simpsons for the first time. So In I'm the wrong aspect ratio. <laughs> Heck yes. You know what episode you should totally watch? It's called Cape Fear. It's the greatest episode of The Simpsons okay, ever. Sure. Oh, God. Season four. I uh, the, I, the internet said to five. start. The, the internet said to start season four, so that's why I'm sorry. Okay, so, cool. Yeah, it's yeah. Cape Fear. It's awesome. Season three's got some gems. in Oh yeah, no. Um, but Cape Fear is the greatest episode of Simpsons ever, hmm. um, in my opinion. I like Homer the Bodyguard because our Mark, <laughs> Mark Hamill is just hilarious well, in it. The reason I like it is because it takes really. I love stupid humor, mm-hmm. and this it, episode pulls up like one of my favorite jokes ever in the Simpsons. Well, there's two in this. One's a visual joke, and so the bra. Uh, the Simpsons are relocated because of Sideshow Bob and Homer through the second half of the episode wears a witness relocation program t-shirt <laughs> and there's a part where Sideshow Bob catches up to him and uh, he's, he's in the middle of the street and he says, surely, but there's no harm in lying in the middle of the street. And then a parade comes and he gets stepped on by elephants and stuff. It's totally stupid, but it's amazing. Oh no, the touch clock dancing team. <laughs> Not the elephants. <laughs> That's great. And the Gilbert and Sullivan at the end of that episode oh, yeah. is wonderful. Yeah. That's a great way to distract Sideshow Bob. It's one they could never use again, which sucks. But yeah, Kelsey uh, Grammer, amazing. And then the last thing I did was uh, I rewatched The Irishman when it came to Netflix, and movie still rocks. Um, I I I really like it. I that movie has a very interesting effect on how it handles the gangster film. And I spoke a little bit more about it last week, but um, the, the final third of that film is pretty fucking remarkable because the last of, hour. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's and just, 15 minutes. It's, it's, it's pretty astounding what it does and how I, I mean, like I am firmly in the camp that it spits in the face of people who claim to be fans of Martin Scorsese crime movies but don't understand that those characters are not to be um Well, it's like, it's like the worshipped. Scarface situation. Oh, yeah. It's, it's almost as if, though, some people can be garbage. Um, but, um, uh, though, the the movie's still remarkable. And, like, I on the TV, I, uh, I, the only time that the de-aging was an issue for me was the same shot where it was an issue for me in the theater, which is when they're in the dark bar room and it kind of just looks like... Joe Pesci's face is, you know, coming out of a Final Fantasy game or something, you know, like it's it's a little off putting. But that's like one shot out of a three and a half hour movie where everything else looks pretty fucking solid. So, um, yeah, watch The Irishman I mean, on Netflix now. You just watch Silence, which is almost as long. So, yeah. Are you willing to go one step further? And also that movie is not as violent as other gangster movies by Scorsese. So because everything's kind of. Cold it's a lot more blunt in the Irishman. Yeah, it's not, and well, and, it, and Irishman's not glorifying anything no, really. Yeah. It's yeah, yeah. it's very much distant from the. It's not it's not a Goodfellas or even like a Casino where cause Casino really loves the violence. It's very boohoo violence, not yeehaw violence. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> nice, Henry. <laughs> Welcome uh, back. Hello, everyone. I can't wait to hear what you've been watching. Well, I've got six months worth of films. Nice. Um, what French film are we going to talk about today? It's actually all Japanese. Je oh. magnifique un cinéma Listen, de la Paris. See, I, I speak French. Did you know that? Uh, you've told me. Yeah, uh, see, um, now you know. Yeah. I just put it on digital wax. Uh, I've been watching. I'm kind of over the French, to be perfectly honest. Um, <laughs> so, Zut à l'os. <laughs> uh, I've been do- watching a lot of Japanese cinema recently because of a uh, class I'm going to have. Uh, nice. I'm not going to mention all of them, because why would I? Um, but I, <laughs> One that I think y'all might like, I watched today, is called Cure. It came out in the 90s, and it's a, like a cop thriller horror type film. 
uh, about this like investigation of like these two uh, cops. They, there's this serial killer going around who's slicing like X's into the throats of their victims and just leaving them. Mm. Um, and I won't spoil like exactly how it kind of plays out, but part of it is that they find out like, well, it's a different person doing it each time. So how how is it that it keeps changing that kind of thing? And then mm-hmm. you kind of go with the very. Not it's like very a- good. Uh, Bong Jong Ho, if you know who he is. Oh yeah, he, mm-hmm. he says it's like his favorite film of all time. Oh, I uh, definitely would watch it. It's definitely very good. It's not pretentious and like how French films are. Nice. Um, uh, other stuff I watched. Uh, I watched another Japanese film called In the Realm of the Senses, which was uh, considered the last film of the Japanese New Wave. Uh, that film is fun because it's been debated for years uh, if that film is art or if it is pornography. Uh, and so I watch it for the first so time. there's lots of fucking? I watch it for the first time, and it is pornography. Uh, art. <laughs> so, Anytime there's fucking, it's art. Uh, but, uh, yeah, so I watched that one. I watched uh, Frozen 2, which I thought was fun. Uh, I, what I told people is that I think the story of Frozen 2 is better, but the execution is better than the first one. Did they let it go again? Uh, no. What a hilarious joke. Um, <laughs> I, no, I didn't want it to be hilarious, but it had to be said. <laughs> <laughs> um, I watched Doctor Sleep, more like Doctor Put Me to Sleep. That film was Yo. boring as shit. Hey-o. Um, burn! I, oh. I, I hated that film. Third degree burn. Uh, I'm not gonna say much because I don't like talking about films I hate, but I disagree with Zach in every point. Um, <laughs> so Ryan shouldn't see it. No, no. Well, here's the thing: it's not. I can do whatever you want. <laughs> <laughs> and Brad's back after an hour. <laughs> Um, one thing I will say that Zach didn't say, it's not a horror film, literally, at all. No, it's, um, it's not. It's a superhero film, which makes... Yeah. <laughs> like it's, and I don't... It, it reminded me a lot of Ghost Rider. Uh, oh, okay. Which, uh, so if you're into that, fucking sure. Um, but, yeah. Um, Is there fire pee? Yeah, I shoot flames out. Uh, I, I shoot pee fire. It's really cool. I will say it's more like the first Ghost Rider film. Oh, man, that just bums me out. Uh... <laughs> Nick, are you in the room? <laughs> I got this like splitting headache. Are you Bruce Springsteen or <laughs> No, Bruce Springsteen is like this, brother. Let me tell you a story about Doctor Sleep. Okay. Um. Here's a drunk guy and here's a song. <laughs> I need to drink water. <laughs> it, like, um I also watched Honey Boy before I came here. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh Honey Boy's great. It's very unique. It's uh it's not like any biopic I've seen in a while. Uh, Have you ever watched like Shia LaBeouf in movies, you go. He's actually really good. Why oh, is yeah. he? Why? Why I will is he say, Shia LaBeouf? <laughs> he's done a lot to recover in the past yeah. couple of years to make his image better. Yeah. Uh, like I was telling Zach that, like, if he isn't nominated either for writing or best supporting actor for this film, I don't think he will ever come back. Like, uh, I don't think if the media will ever take him seriously. By a young artist who lost his way. <laughs> oh, they did a Bruce Springsteen Shia LaBeouf collab. <laughs> <laughs> Some people Shia call him Honey Boy. I just call him my friend. Sh- Shia LaBeouf. <laughs> Shia LaBeouf as Bruce Springsteen. <laughs> oh, God. Just be but... Bruce Springsteen going, no, 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 no. <laughs> but I wouldn't dismiss it. It's very different. It's also short, which in this day and age, like in this part of the year, mm-hmm. it's good to have a 90-minute film. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, so if, if you're like looking for a film. Sorry, I just wanted to interject, especially when you have 30 minutes of fucking previews before your movie. Mm-hmm. Get it together, Regal. Yeah, that's why I go to the Alamo. Seriously. 28 minutes. Four I counted. Trailers. 28 minutes. Sorry, Henry. You're good. Um, but yeah, so I, I wouldn't dismiss it just because it's Shia LaBeouf. I think it's definitely worth checking out. Uh, I saw there's a great music doc on uh, Netflix called Satan and Adam, hmm. uh, which talks about kind of like a very underground uh, like blues uh, partnership. Uh and it's really fascinating because it's about, like, this guy who, like, 
was a background like guy for like Louis Armstrong and like, different mm. people, and then he became like homeless in New York City and was playing like on the street. Yeah. And then this white kid just came up and was like, "Hey, can I start playing with you and play the harmonica with you?" And he was like, "Sure." And then it kind of explodes from there, like how wow. they kind of grew. It was a, it's a really fascinating documentary that I'd really recommend checking out. Definitely. Um, and then other than that, yeah. Okay, so the last two I'll say. Um, I watched Waves, which I think is really good, but I don't. It's very different. I don't. I can see people not liking it, um, but I really enjoyed it. Uh, so check the, if you were interested in the in the trailer, I'd definitely check it out. It's not a romance like I thought it was going to be. John of All Trades has an interview with the director. For oh, really? September Film Festival. Well, be, I'm actually interested in that. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. It's uh, I definitely if I if you were interested in the trailer, I'd check it out because it's very interesting. Uh, and then uh, finally, I watched Noel. I don't know if anyone else watched oh. Disney Plus. Uh, that film is not as good as I wanted it to be. Oh, mm. I love Andy Kendrick. Well, I was hoping there'd be like more of like because like it was really fun until she got to Arizona and then that was the rest of the goddamn film. <laughs> so anyway, I'm ranting to nobody because no one else saw this movie. But fuck Arizona. But anyway, don't see Noel. Let this be my struggle. <laughs> But, uh, I really wish I had the camera rolling for that fucking. <laughs> this is my struggle. God damn it, um, that was funny. <laughs> but anyway, yeah. If uh, if you're interested in more of my opinions, you can look at my Letterboxd diary, which is a lot longer and a lot more boring. So nice, love it. I like your reviews on Letterboxd. They're fun, even when I don't <clears> agree <throat> with them. They're fun to read. Cool. Uh, so I watched The Irishman. And every time I log into Netflix, it keeps on telling me if I want to continue watching it, and I skip that part. Um, it's really long and really boring. Um, I just I can't get into it at all. Fair um, enough. But yeah, it exists and it's for free. So I mean, I sought it out in like a theater and a festival because I knew I wouldn't have the patience like on yeah. Netflix to see it. And so yeah, I get that. So I mean, if I was stuck in a theater, I obviously I would watch it. But in Netflix, you know, you, I'm too distracted. Like, oh man. This has been on a long time. And then I hit the back button, and it's like hour and 30 minutes. I go, fuck it. I'm just going to watch The Office again. And uh, <laughs> Did um, you finish it? or No. Oh, s- still. still continue watching. Oh, okay. Right on. Two, well, how long has it been out? A week? week and a half? It's uh, only been out for a couple of days now at this point. I think it came out like on Wednesday. Yeah, yeah it's been so. like a week almost. Yeah, yeah. Almost a week, yeah. So, yeah. I've tried to watch it twice. Can't get through it. Um, one thing that I was really impressed with, I got the uh, 4K of Wizard of Oz. Hmm. And um, like... It's a Wonderful Life. It is f- stunning. I, I can't even, it, I can't even tell you like what it's like watching a movie that old that's been restored so well, mm. and um, like the Technicolor in it just pops off. And I mean the part she's you know when she's meeting uh, the Munchkins, you can actually see the lines for the makeup, mm-hmm. and not that it's a bad thing. It's just like the detail is astounding. And I and you know, now you have the Dolby sound, and it sounds better than it's ever sounded before. Um, and, and I'm sure that film's been res- well. I, I no, I I know this for a fact. That movie's been restored more times than I can count on the hand, the fingers. Well, on my there's hands. an extra on the Blu-ray that talks about restoring it. Yeah, it's, I mean, like they did awesome. They, the 3D restoration they did apparently was just as amazing. Yeah. Like I haven't seen it in 3D, but. Um, the just the discs podcast talked about it and they said it was fucking awesome. So, um, but that's good. I'm glad. Yeah. Then I'll have to pick up that that steel book of the red roses and not and not the uh, cartoon poppies. poppies. <laughs> mm-hmm. So it sounds like whenever the aliens do come to Earth and they want to see a movie, we'll just send them to watch Wizard of Oz at your house. Uh sure. I mean, I'd probably rather show Army of Darkness. No. But- 
<laughs> but uh, Wizard of Oz. It's will Wizard of Oz, man. That is the movie to show aliens. Mm. If they I want think, to I watch think it is a, a movie, I think it is a great movie. Um, I love. I haven't seen it in a long time. I loved revisiting it. I used to watch it all the time when I was young. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like it's the quintessential movie. Uh, I, a lot. I mean? A lot of people believe that. I. Uh, uh, you read a lot of reviews of it, and I, I'm pretty sure Leonard Mullen says it is the perfect American movie. Um, yeah, I, it's I hard mean, to think about it. How old is that movie? Like 80 years old, uh, and we are 81. still watching it yeah. today. We quote it all the time. This year. No, it's I know yeah. because people quote it to me all the fucking time. Well, it's also because it's the most shown movie in the world too. So, I, it's 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 just part of who you are. It's you don't have to have seen The Wizard of Oz to know what The Wizard of Oz is. Oh yeah, no. I mean, um, I mean everybody knows. You know, we're off to see The Wizard. Or right. we know I mean, somewhere of, over the rainbow like the, things have transcended there's a book right most people don't haven't read the book yeah. they've seen the movie yeah, they the know the movie version of the story not the book version because yeah. the book version is very different it is and it's i don't think it's that great but um but yeah no the, it, it is astounding i you know I, I i can't even and even like the special effects hold up really well mm-hmm. um when she's special looking through effects. the uh uh the when the wicked witch is looking through her crystal ball it, it you don't really see the lines. It's it's really remarkable. Um, one thing I will say about that film is it really stands the test of time. Mm-hmm. Um, it is... Um, <clears throat> Just proves my point. No, I mean, it's still no Army of Darkness, but it's it's a good movie. Well, I it, didn't say it was Ryan's favorite movie. I said it's the quintessential movie. Mm. Can can a five-year-old watch Army of Darkness? Sure. And not, yeah. <laughs> and not have night terrors? No, I, Army of Darkness is silly. It's... I, I, to me, the Wizard I, of Oz okay, so, is friendly for all ages, so, Ryan. So when you, we'll back up. I think the Wizard of Oz is yeah, it transcends time. But I also put like Casablanca and something like that because I think Casablanca is maybe the best made movie from that era. Mm-hmm. It's not my favorite movie from that era, but it's probably the best made one. Yeah, where no. you have the actors, the cinematography, the lines are iconic. You can say, um, you know, here's looking at you, kid, and people know exactly what you're talking about. Just like. Follow the yellow brick road. It, there's things that 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 year is you can't even touch that year. I think in Hollywood, it's but. and it's similar to It's a Wonderful Life. And yeah. even even though It's a Wonderful Life wasn't even a success when it first came out, and it still has transcended that. Yeah. And that's thanks mainly to its overplay. Like, I mean, yep. it's not the exact same, but I'd even say Citizen Kane. When you say Rosebud, somebody at least knows it's from Citizen Kane. But like, I, the only argument I would have for that is. That is a critic, critically loved movie where the that's, Wizard of Oz, I think, is it's a oh, that's an audience it. thing. No, yeah, I mean, I'm just saying more in terms of the pop culture phenomenon element. Like you, I don't can't even, and a five year old can't watch Citizen Kane. I don't, Zach. Think, I don't even think Citizen Kane is pop culturally relevant anymore. I don't think so you know either. What? But I like, there was a time when you could drop that reference in the '90s, and people got. There's a whole Simpsons episode called Rosebud for that reason. Yeah, but you're talking about guys in the Simpsons who are, you know, in their 40s. Writing a show in the '90s, so they're born in the '50s, so that they grow up with that. I, I don't. I think if you say Wizard of Oz to a kid, oh, they're means, still going to know it's the man behind the curtain. Well, that's, or, why, that's why I said it's not like an extra. It's like, like the. It's not like the most obvious example, but it, it's it's within there. Like you can mm-hmm. take that from like several. Be other Interesting. Films. I'd see. I bet if I pull, asked ten people. 
10 out of 10 will know the Wizard of Oz. People will not know Rosebud from Citizen Kane. I'm, I'm not denying that. I'm just saying that like there are lines from movies. There are moments yeah. from movies that transcend and yeah, pass Yeah, AFI did a top 100 list of them. And mm-hmm. Citizen Kane's usually on that list. It, it is. is. It's number one. But that Rosebud's one quote, whereas there are multiple quotes from Wizard of Oz. I'm not denying that. Mm. I was bringing it up as one of many. I mean, it examples. sounds like you're wrong. <laughs> it sounds like everybody's getting hey, up Zach, on it. Let, let, it, go. Go. let it go. Let it go, Zach. Let it go. Yeah. Yeah. North by Northwest transcends that. Time, it right? does. Okay. I think that, I mean, the crop duster scene North by Northwest, I think you can close your eyes and everybody can picture it, even if they haven't seen the film. Yeah. Um, but yeah. So yeah, Wizard of Oz on 4K, I highly recommend seeing. It, it's like you watch the movie for the first time. Hmm. Um, it's If I had a 4K TV slash player, I would I mean, watch I it. I mean, I offered you one. Did you um, see the Wizard of Oz sketch from SNL this week? No. It was just... Oh, yeah. It was, it's with Will Ferrell. It's basically oh, nice. like she wakes up at like and she's back at home and like everyone's there and it's like and you were there and you were there and you were there. and then all these little people come in and like were we there? <laughs> like, she's like, oh no, you weren't. <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, I also watched Sullivan's Travels for the first time, Hell which yeah. is also considered one of the greatest films of all time. Um, and I, I really liked it. I, it's, it's a very interesting take on, um, class, mm-hmm. um, meaning, uh, rich person versus poor people, which is really popular in the 30s and 40s in making film. Cause the depression. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and so it stars, uh, this guy named Sullivan is a hotshot director, has tons of money, and they want him to make his next big movie, and he doesn't think he actually understands the struggle of common people. Mm hmm. So he goes, um, takes, goes with Veronica Lake and they basically live as hobos and, um, they they call them hobos in it. Yeah. They they, they go travel by train and with the stick and the sack. Um, and it's a really interesting study of, um, life at that time. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, they go to this, uh, little, uh, shop on the, when they get off at one point, they don't have any money. And um, this guy's barely getting by in Las Vegas, and um, he offers them free food. It's a really fascinating study, um, and it it seesaws back and forth between a total screwball comedy mm-hmm. and a to sincere. being a sincere drama, yeah. and it's it's handled really well. And I love Veronica Lake; I think she's amazing. Um, the movie's great if you get the Criterion; they have really great special features on it. It's a it's a film that I think is uh, uh, willing to be a lot more honest than most films of its era when it comes to tackling the depression because you can yeah. you can like my man godfrey i think tackles the depression very well but it's more screwball oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. than sullivan's travels is and like yeah i mean sullivan's travels screwball comes from you know him jumping in the car with the kid yeah but it's not it's it's not inherent in the story no, it's no, just no, no. inherent in the situations yeah. it's actually like it, it makes sense why this is an inspiration point for something like oh yeah. brother art thou which because yeah. it is it but literally, it literally is <laughs> yeah um because that's the movie he makes. but anyways, yeah, exactly. it's, it's, it's it's a great film if you have an opportunity to check it out i think and the criterion they did a restoration on it it looks great yeah any interviews with joel and ethan cohen no that would have been a great way been. to do that um, I was on last week's show. Uh, I saw a beautiful day in the neighborhood, which I think is an amazing film. Oh yeah. Um, it's basically an hour and a half long Mr. Rogers episode. So it's not even a biopic about Mr. Rogers, mm-hmm. but he is the most important character in the movie. Um, and it's really fascinating. It's about a guy trying to write a story about him. It's supposed to be a hero and he's this, you know, un, uh, 
reporter who digs up what investigative reporter and um he doesn't like it because he's he says well i don't write fluff pieces and it's a story about him becoming a better person and realizing that the uh because he even says when he meets you know fred rogers for the first time and he's like you know what's your deal man i mean you know the no cameras are playing so what's the difference between fred rogers here and fred rogers a character and tom hanks is amazing in this movie and he he says he says i don't understand the question mr rogers is always the same and i, I don't know cried like three times in the movie mm-hmm. because i don't know there's this like effect that seeing tom hanks being these kind of people just like when he was walt disney just tugs up my heartstrings i was even the biggest will uh fred rogers fan um but you know he's He's talking to the little boy who has um, uh, a physical disability and he's not really paying attention. But uh, Fred is still talking to him, even though he's not paying attention to him. And he says, you're really strong to hold that up. And he yeah. says, and I bet you're even stronger on the inside. You're like, oh, my God, seriously. And then, like the tear starts coming down my eye. I'm like, this is really obnoxious. And um, then he's at, you know, he's talking to uh, the reporter at his home and he's um asking him about why he has this relationship with his dad and he, the reporter doesn't realize that he's actually repairing the relationship with his dad and he doesn't know it's if this movie is amazing um you should definitely definitely seek it out yeah um the uh, real life version of the reporter is in the documentary too is he yeah uh he's not as, like a huge and in, in, but he's he's throughout it's so. one of those things where you see the movie and i wanted to go back and read the yeah. actual story yeah and it was really cool because the interstitials were they built like uh pittsburgh out of the models from the uh mr rogers show and they shot it how they did and um it was really really great i still am in awe of how mario heller directed it where there are moments where it feels like it's being portrayed as a dark moment yeah and then it ends up actually just being part of roger's personality like she 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 balances a little line of like terror or like creepy, but with sincerity, mm-hmm. like that scene with um, uh, him pulling out Daniel the tiger mm-hmm. and trying to interact with yeah. him borders on strange. If you're from his point yeah. of view and not Rogers point of view. Agreed. Now, granted, since it's Fred Rogers, you kind of already know it's not creepy, Yeah. but like, I just like seeing that. But it's because he's helping this man mm-hmm. work through his problems and this dude comes in with the attitude of like this is for kids, yeah. And it, it's it's really really fascinating, yeah. Um, and I just love when he's showing all the photos of his friends and whatnot, and he just shows that picture of him beat up. I'm just like, oh yeah. shit, it's yeah. gonna get dark. I know. I'm like, this is. <laughs> I was really shocked how it went that way. That's when I was like, oh, this is a different kind of movie. It's a good comedy, like dark comedy mm-hmm. moment in this very like emotionally sincere movie. If only they had called it Mr. Darcy interviews Mr. Rogers. Mm-hmm. Because the actor who plays the investigative reporter, Matthew Reese. Yep. Yeah, yeah he played Mr. Darcy in Death Comes to Pemberley. Yeah. Huh. And, and, you know, too, there, throughout the whole film, uh, I can't, even can't remember the name of the reporter in it, but he keeps on Lloyd. making... Boyd. Lloyd. Lloyd. You're right, Lloyd. He keeps on making horrible decisions, mm-hmm. and he's not a good person, but, you know, Fred sticks by him, mm-hmm. and um, while... Tom Hanks obviously doesn't sound like Fred Rogers. He has his cadence and his mannerisms down so well mm-hmm. that you're immediately sucked in. Um, oh yeah. So it, 
I it's want, one of my favorite movies. Of the I year. want him to be my therapist now. Yeah, like, no I doubt. mean, no, Tom Hanks as Fred Rogers. I know. I'm, even when it gets really quiet, that one scene in the diner, I was like, man, I'm starting to like reflect on my own life. I'm like, am I a piece of shit? <laughs> <laughs> um, but then it gets loud yeah. again, and you're like, yeah. nah. No, I'm, I'm good. I'm good. I, I'm uh, the Mr. Rogers of my generation. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> I had this question on the show last week. Uh, the people in the diner, while it's silent, were those just characters in the movie or do you think those were cameos from people from his real life that they put oh, in the movie? I don't know. I don't know. I know that there's like a ton of cameos in it of people in his real life so it very well might have been, yeah. Okay. Yeah, I don't know. That's, that's a good question. I don't know. I, that movie made me cry like four times. It's absolutely amazing. The 1980s Fred Rogers Hello Neighbor. Yeah. 2019 Ryan Frost Sup fuckers! Yeah, <laughs> sup fuckers. It's a beautiful fucking day in the neighborhood. Um, I also saw Frozen 2 and uh, I think it is a uh, the animation is am- oh, it's great. Is yeah. astounding in the film, um, <laughs> and, and it's fun. And yeah, I think it's, it's harmless. Yeah, it's it's not Disney's best, but I, yep. it's no Black Cauldron. So yeah, I Ouch. I agree with your guys' assessment. I didn't talk about it, but I saw it two weeks ago or something, and I do feel like on, after one viewing because I haven't seen it yet again. Um, I do feel like the story is not quite there. Like there's just something missing or there's too many moving pieces and it doesn't quite come together the way you want it to. I think I'm missing a few things. I think I need to see it again because I think it also has a great message for um, like another women empowerment kind of thing where they only need each other. They don't really need anything else. Um, But I I still think that I, I know you disagree with me. I think the best song is the eighties power ballad by (laughs) Christoph because it's, amazing because i at, at the beginning I'm like what are they doing and then i totally picked up what they were doing and i'm the only dude in the theater going yeah um but it was awesome and, and i love olaf uh, explaining the first film oh yeah uh, that was, was the best part of the pretty movie great. uh did you stick for till the end of the credits I when did. weezer did the cover of the yeah. power ballad it was pretty, yeah, it was pretty yes. sweet um i think the i think the weezer cover is better than the actual song mm-hmm. in the movie well, I mean, I'd say the same thing about like the song that's gonna be that's gonna win best song of the Oscars this year. Um, when the uh, Panga Disco covered it at the yeah. credits as well, I like that version better. So, oh, yeah, um, that too. on Friday I came down here with Kellen and they closed I seventy. So I was like, man, it took me an hour and twenty minutes because I have to go through Central City. I'm like, what should I do? So Kellen and I went and saw Playing with Fire, which is with how was that John Cena? Um, and he rescues kids and they have to stay at the firehouse. So. Here's the thing with it. It has a lot of trappings of PG kid movies. Like, mm-hmm. What trouble are they getting into now? What? Bubbles in the fire department. However, <laughs> there is some pretty great moments where they knew what kind of movie they were making. So, an example, uh, at the beginning, John Cena is all business and they're putting out this fire and he saves this family. And this little kid says, oh, fireman. He goes, runs to give him a hug and John Cena just keeps on walking. The kid runs into a car. Um <laughs> Yeah. Like, wow. Yeah. Like a car. No, no, a parked car, but he still runs into it. <laughs> yeah. The car just and mows then, down this one kid. And then he's about ready to leave, and this lady comes up and she's like, You are the most beautiful man I've ever seen. You're so strong and so handsome. And then the camera pans out, and, and the dude says, I'm standing right here. I'm married to you. <laughs> and then she, he just takes off. Um, uh, Keegan Michael uh, Ke- Thank you. Is in it, and he keeps on just popping up randomly. Mm-hmm. So he always follows um, John Cena's direction because he's a supervisor so he'll just be like in the background doing shit Mm. and so this stuff is really funny but then you get the sugar-coated 
like yeah. kid movie, but it's fun enough where you can see these guys knew what kind of movie they're making. Where there's uh, John Leguizamo, John Cena, um, Tyler Maine, who's Michael Myers and <laughs> Rob Zombie's thing. His name is Axe, mm. and all he does is carry around an axe the whole time, and it's pretty funny. I was really hoping you were going to go another direction where it's like, you know, it's like has the kid stuff where it's like, oh, the bubbles in the fire department. But it gets really dark when the youngest dies in a fire. <laughs> and they have to <laughs> reassess no, Never goes that crazy, but. Uh, so it doesn't go to hardball level drama. It just it just kind of stays at a consistent plateau yeah, of wackiness. Yeah, okay. it's just so goofy. And I just appreciated that they, I think they kept it for the adults in the theater because it's just so dumb. And the actors know that it's dumb. And so they throw in this humor that doesn't make any sense at all. I mean, so Dennis Haysbert, who plays uh, President Palmer in 24, he's this commander of it. And he's going, yeah, I mean, I'm probably the greatest of all time. He's doing like this interview. And then he calls John Cena because John Cena wants to interview for like the captains. I don't even know what the job is. And so he's talking to him on the phone. And one of the other dudes is just keeps on punching him in the stomach for like a minute. And he never breaks a sweat. And he just keeps on talking to John Cena on the phone. I'm going, this is this is like a hot shots like moment. And he's doing pull ups and he'll stand step at the top and just keep talking on the phone. It is so bizarre, but so amazing at the same time. You've mm. convinced me. I'll check it out when you it comes out check on it out. streaming. It's pretty goofy. And the last thing I watched was uh, I got the Abba Costello set and the, I watched their first movie called One Night in the Tropics. Mm. And the movie is pretty garbage, except for when Abba Costello were in it. And when you watch it, you can tell that they just took their radio bits and put them on the big screen because they'd be by the side of a ship. And uh, he goes, you go with me. And then so Abigail would run away and then they'd stop in the middle of the road and there'd be a baseball game on mm -hmm. a car and they stop and go, all right, I own a baseball game. You own a baseball game. And then they do who's on first. And then they would do something about mustard. So it's basically just setting up them, and they're only in the movie maybe 10, 15 minutes. They only get signed to something like that because of getting on the Kate Smith, get, getting on Kate Smith's program and having yeah. a bit. When when Universal signed them, like they did, I don't, they didn't know what to do with them, and then obviously, th but they are the standouts of that picture because like the way One Night at the Tropics was sold was on Jerome Kern's music, yeah, and it's Alan, not good, and Alan A Night at the Opera Jones, who is not something to sell a movie on, no, no it, matter how good looking Alan Jones. Well, no, was. and here's the thing is, so you have these goofy moments with Abbott Costello, mm -hmm. and then you go into these really weird musical numbers, and it grinds it to a halt. And, you know, I said the same thing about. Uh, uh, the Cary Grant movie, um, uh, fuck, with the opera singer. She's actually really good, but it's like once upon no, once you're in love. Fuck, can't remember the name of it. Dorothy Kirsten? No, no, no. Dorothy it's um, I'll think about it. But so it basically grinds the movie to a halt. But well, that and this like it's a needless love triangle that's in the movie. And yeah, it's and, stupid. And Abbott and Costello are just enforcers in the movie. Yeah, um, they, I mean they they are part of the mob which is kind of funny it's almost like they're trying they're they're using the formula for a marx brothers a later era marx brothers movie but then yeah. just forgetting that you're supposed to have humor and ridiculousness in it uh, it's when you're in love with grace moore and oh, grant okay uh, came back to me uh but one night in the Red tropics Fox. is is successful enough because that's what gets them oh yeah no that, that's what gets them to buck they primates. are really great in it yeah and so i mean i gave it three stars because their performance alone elevates the whole film i'd imagine so. um I mean, the rest I, of the rest of the movie is meh. It's been a while since I've seen it. It's like one of like there's only a few films on that collection that I haven't seen and I need to watch. Like one's a skiing one. Yeah, um, I mean but... it's you can tell that they're the stars in it, and they and obviously they transcended that movie because oh, yeah. everybody else in that movie. I went back and looked; they've only run a few more movies after that. It's it's weird because Buck Privates 
runs into similar territory, but they are clearly much more present mm-hmm. in the movie um, compared to, say, One Night at the Tropics. Sweet. So that's what I watched this week. Uh, this week, we went and saw Knives Out, the new th- Who Done It from Ryan Johnson. His thing before the Alamo is great, mm-hmm. um, if you haven't seen it. Yeah. Um, it's almost a spoiler, too. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it is a spoiler. Yeah. Brad, should people see <laughs> Knives Out? I'm gonna do this is a long remember. time ago yeah, for you. I saw it a month ago. Did you see it at the festival? <laughs> yeah, the Denver yeah, Film yeah. Festival kickoff. Um, yeah, I, I think it's worth watching. Um, I, I, what I remember most is just feeling like I was advertised this revolutionary whodunit. I didn't feel like I was surprised at all. Um, but again, um, that was a month ago. So um, I, I, I thought the cast is great. It's, it's, a, it's a fun watch. It's worth seeing. Uh, yeah. Check it out. Zach? Uh, you should absolutely see this movie. It's fucking amazing. Um, I think that the revolutionary angle on this is that he's made the whodunit um, likable again or not just not where the audience wouldn't be so narrow. Um, and I think Daniel Craig is fucking fantastic in the film and um, the whole cast knocks it out of the park. But Daniel Craig, I think, is one of my favorite performances of the year because of the way that character is written, but also the way he's playing him. And we'll chat about it later in spoilers. Henry? Uh, yeah, I liked it. I probably, according to our letterbox stuff, I liked it probably the least out of all of us, but I still really liked it. I have a very similar opinion as Brad, uh, but it's great. Yeah, uh, you should definitely check it out. Corinne? Absolutely, positively. I had a great time in this movie. Uh, went and saw it twice, actually. I think it has rewatch value. Even, you know, after you see it the first time, obviously, you know what's going on and what the mystery is that's happening. Um, but I think on the second viewing, it kind of becomes more of a character film Mm -hmm. and you start to like see the different beats that these characters go through and it's, it's a lot of fun. I think it's a well-written, tight, well-directed. Some of the shots are beautiful. I just, I had a great time. I had a lot of fun. It's probably going to be on the list later this year. Oh yeah. Uh, yeah, I think it's one of the best movies of the year. Um, because I won't say it, but the movie is great. The cast is wonderful. Uh, I like that Ryan Johnson. I think there's maybe four or five locations in this whole movie. Mm-hmm. Um, it's cool that he made a really tight movie that is two and a half hours long, but doesn't seem like two and a half hours long because, and there's not much that happens in it. It's really just a character piece uh, and it's pulled off brilliantly. And I think that's why um, it, I tried to see it a couple times. I saw it last night, but every time I tried to see it, it was sold out Um so I think it connects with people because it's a fun movie and people really like it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it also, was... it came out around Thanksgiving, and so I'm sure everybody was like, "Ah, oh, see, we're a dysfunctional family. Let's go watch <laughs> yeah, this right. dysfunctional family, too. Yeah, I think some people can relate to that. <laughs> Relatable, um, am I right? <laughs> so, um, again, since this movie has twists in it, um, spoilers, we'll play the trailer and then we'll uh, spoil the film. Uh, no. Pause. Why are we doing all this? Let's back it up. The family has desperate motives. And when good people get desperate, the knives come out. You know something. Spill it. I suspect foul play. No. Pia! 
What? Mm -hmm. <laughs> did you just Google that? I did just Google that. You gotta do this more often. I liked the part where Daniel Craig died. You, you spoiled it right at the beginning. Um, in Knives Out, uh, a really wealthy mystery writer is murdered or committed Committed. suicide um, is dead and it was right after his 85th birthday and um, everybody has a part to play in it because everybody wants his money and as the film goes along you find out why Um, but I thought it was really interesting um, that they kind of revealed what happened to him really early in the movie first 15 minutes I'd say yeah I thought that was really unique because you didn't have to wait for the big ending, which you still got, mm-hmm. which was still really great. Um, and this was, yeah, um, he did kill himself <laughs> in the movie. I actually thought that that was really interesting. It's a good way to keep you engaged because the first 20, 25 minutes maybe is setting up the, like these three possible suspects of like Joni who lied about like how um, Harlan had caught her double dipping Walt. And Tony Collette is great in the movie. Yeah, she, yeah, everybody's great in this movie. Um, Walt, who had been fired by his dad, and then uh, crap, who was the third one? Ransom. Ransom. Yeah. No, no, that was the fourth yeah, one. No, it was her husband, Richard, um, who yeah. was caught cheating, and so that's you know the Harlan's like, you tell her or I will. So mm-hmm. there's you know right away you 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 as the audience are like okay, we have these three possible suspects who did it. And so then, like, right then, that's when, um, you know, the film reveals, like, what really happened. Mm-hmm. But, s- they, but they play it out in a way where there's still something else could possibly have happened, too. Right. Um, because there, there are so many layers to the characters. And, uh, I mean, your first go around with Daniel Craig is he just hits a piano key when, you know, the questions aren't what he wants to hear. Yeah. And which I think is great about his performance throughout the whole film is, you know, they talk about like, you're supposed to be this great guy. And you know, they shared this thing and he comes across as this country bumpkin and he's slowly like, it's all an act and he's playing every single person. Mm-hmm. Um, because you know, I mean, he says at the end, he's like, you know, the moment you walked in, I knew you were involved and it's, um, and he wanted it to play out cause he, uh, because there was a shot of those shoes with that stain yep. before, <laughs> before and, he even turned into the bumbling detective. And actually, on the second watch, I noticed that when he meets her on the patio, so she's looking through the window, and he kind of looks at her, and she gets freaked out. He's like, come on out here. And he's look. he looks her up and down, and you can mm-hmm. tell he spends a second looking at her shoes. Um, Ryan Johnson made a really interesting Americanized version of an older Sherlock Holmes character. He's or a Perot. Or a yeah. per, there's a Perot to it. Um I uh I appreciate that this film uh played the magic trick that it does with Blanc because it, it reminds me a lot of a like Hound of a Baskervilles um of of the older era where the detective is not always the focus, but he is one of the most important characters and so he's kind of like the it's like, you know, Basil Rathbone in that old movie, he's not the focus so much as the family and their squabbling and the hound. 
but he's very important as the whole case unfolds and to have the story of the caretaker being kind of like your your POV or your entry point and your perspective is is executed beautifully and I I was a little thrown off by at first by revealing his method or his um, method of demise uh, so early on but then I remembered like it falls into a tradition of like sometimes the detective is uh, a couple steps behind the actual progression of the story but then it works out at the end but then that magic trick happens where you find out that he's been on this the entire time mm-hmm. and it's backed up by Johnson's, I think, near perfect direction of how he constructs this story. Um, and that ensemble cast is fucking great. Like, I loved Jamie Lee in the movie specifically because she turns on that dime when the will is read and just starts leaning into her with mean Jamie Lee Curtis, which is 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 a Jamie Lee Curtis you don't really see where it's like, it's not angry, it's just mean Jamie Lee Curtis. Um, and... Uh, and Don Johnson's creating it too. Like everybody, everybody fucking knocks it out of the park in the movie. Well, the other thing too is that, like, you know, that it's like even after they tell you like everything from Honestly Amos's per, like perception, mm-hmm. you know, it's not everything because like Chris Evans is coming to the home with like an hour in. Yeah, like so yeah. you know there's gonna be more to that. Yeah. So there and in, in terms of where his character goes, I think is ultimately just up to you following that thing. Like I. I gotta be honest. I kind of figured he had something to. Do. He had more nefarious ends, even in that scene in the diner. But I kind of, I, I was able to suspend my disbelief and kind of just let me. I, I played along with it and was like, okay, like he's he's gonna be a good guy. Maybe he's gonna be a good guy. When he turns out to be the bad guy, I think it still fucking works beautifully, and it's a testament to Evans's performance. Something that um, on the first go around. So there, there's a scene on the porch where with Blanc and the detectives and the detective is going through like the whole like n- events of the night and like how, you know, like people went up and down the stairs. And so then once we find out um, Marta's story, mm-hmm. so it's like, OK, all the times where people went up and down the stairs were accounted for. But then I was like, but what about the dogs? Because I remember when that very first shot of the movie where it's like, you see the house and the dogs are running toward the camera. And I was like, okay, I wonder, is this like a clue? Like the dogs are going to be important, like in my brain, you know, because I'm, I've read like all the Sherlock Holmes stuff and I've seen some Poirot or whatever, but like, I'm like, okay, in those kinds of things, like the small details are always important. Yeah. And so then... I remembered that the thing that the detective said, like the dogs barked around 3 a.m. Mm. And I, so it stuck with me. I was like, okay, but you know, in the Marta story, it's like, okay, but what about the dogs barking? Yeah. And then they make a point of showing you how the dogs won't bark at Marta, but they bark at Ransom. Mm-hmm. And so it was like, oh, he probably has something to do with this. But of course, there's a lot going on at that point. So you're just like, trying to figure it all out yeah like the blackmail plot thread is kind of like a red herring or Mm -hmm. like a like a like it's 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 it throws you off in the right direction to kind of lead you back into the plot and um movies also a wonderful take on um class and class warfare and stuff like that and henry and i had a pretty interesting discussion about it prior to um going to our other to the other movie um on friday and um about like how's she gonna treat this family now that she's got all that money 
and she's kind of on that upper level now with that cool ass coffee mug that I fucking want. So um, Brad, oh yeah, a month I love later, how the uh, sorry, I like how the movie is bookended with the coffee mug. Mm-hmm. Is it uh, coming back to you yet? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> what What do you think, Brad? Uh, yeah, like I said, it's, it's not fair for me to like judge the movie based on like the marketing campaign, like what that told me. But still, thinking about it, I just feel like, um, like the ending really disappointed me because I felt like it built and built. Like if you establish early on that, like, oh, we're gonna tell you how the whole thing was done, and then follow this girl navigating through like this class uh, uh, ism of people. Um, like I, I thought it was really cool when she finally found an ally with ransom. And I feel like the ending just backpedals because mm-hmm. it's like, you know, we, we sort of cleared him, but then we've also got an expositional, like, and I, I get, it's like an homage to classic, like the detective reveals like everything in a, a single expository scene, but it just feels like in 2019, like I want something more out of it. Um, so yeah. then suddenly it's like, Oh, it was ransom. I just feel like I was cheated a little bit. Like, I wish there was something grander that it was, like, aspiring to. But the thing is, is, like, yeah, it was Ransom, but at the same time, it wasn't Ransom. Because, at you know, Blanc even says, like, at the end of the day, Harlan literally committed suicide. He wasn't poisoned by Marta. He slit his own throat. So he wasn't murdered in the traditional sense, even though, I mean, yes, Ransom created a situation in which like Marta thought that she was responsible for his death, but that's not what actually happened. It's like smarter saw. Yeah, no, <laughs> it, it, it is clever in its own way. Like, I just feel like I kind of wish it was not any of those people. Like if it, if it's going to be like an accident or him taking his own life, I just kind of want it to be just that, like no one is involved. It's just like a comedy of errors where, um, you know, everyone's kind of, like they think like they think they're the person who done it but it's actually nobody like i feel like that's more interesting than just like it actually is one of these guys you know well but that's hearkening back to like the drawing room mystery or like the lock room mystery or whatever where it's like you know it's one of the people who was at the party and like yeah ransom leaves early so then that's why the detectives there like oh he's not involved like he left um but i i think i think it works I mean, it makes sense to me. Is it that you're looking for a more like a, a more modernized a angle on a whodunit rather than a traditional whodunit? Yeah, I was looking for something new because, like I said, like within the first fifteen minutes, I'm told like I, I'm given what I'm expected is like, oh, we're gonna we we know how it was like what what transpired, mm-hmm. and now we're gonna spend the next hour of the movie just uh, ironing out all the details, like making that make sense, right? So like I've like I, the movie's done already. The hole at the center. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> then telling me like oh here's this other layer, but it's you know it's a little bit of like what we just yeah, saw. The hole. Well, it's like it's all, I'm on like the same boat as you, where I felt very similar things. Because the thing about like because thing about Ron Johnson is that like he one thing he's really good at is is subverting expectations mm-hmm. and kind of going in a different route and kind of doing things a different way. And he did that in the first few minutes by being like, oh, yeah, here's a solution kind of thing. But then he doesn't do that. He just kind of goes back on it by being like, no, this was a mystery the entire time. And, um, and so I just like it felt kind of for me, at least like after like the first like when the reveal of like, oh, she killed him or whatever. I was like, oh, OK, cool. That was the that's the twist. That's like uh, that's the yeah. who done it. And then at the end when it's like, actually, he did it. It's like, I mean, OK. 
Like that's cool too, I guess. Like yeah. I, I wasn't really looking for anything anymore, and so that's yeah. that's not a, that's not an unfair expectation. I I would counter it with just like I think that the innovation and like the the marketing within that was getting you excited for a traditional whodunit. And well, I, I mean, what I'm talking about though has nothing to do with marketing though. Like what I'm talking about is like I go in thinking like oh it's gonna be whodunit because I'm going into a mystery film it has nothing to do with marketing, right? Uh, and then the mystery is solved in the first twenty minutes, mm-hmm. and so like. Even if I'd not seen any marketing material, I'd be like, "Okay, it's done." And then it's like the there's no like there's no real twists after that because there's nothing to be shocking anymore. Yeah, I'm sitting there expecting something yeah. bigger to happen. Yeah, and I'm really just like filling out the rest of the movie. Yeah, so that that's where it feels flat to me. Like I so. like I like for me at least. I mean, my, I don't know, maybe just like our personal backgrounds, but like for me at least, like. I knew all the twists coming because, like, just how it's made kind of thing. Like, they show you the shot of her putting the things back on, and they wouldn't do that. They weren't going to emphasize those bottles unless there's something going on with those bottles kind Mm -hmm. of thing. And so, like, I knew all of that was going to happen coming, like, a mile away. Right. Which is, that's that's on me because I know, like, I just, I've been studying editing the past four years. So, like, I pick up on those kinds of things. Right. And again, like, I'm not, I I, I would not, I, I don't defer that at all. Like, I think... I think a lot of it, though, is that, like, ultimately what I appreciated about it is that it found a way to make those ideas that we are familiar with taste better within a 2019 context. Doesn't mean it innovates anything or changes anything. Or... Well, I guess what I'm arguing, I'm spe- I'll speak for myself and not for you for, yeah, the, for yeah, this part, yeah. but it, it, that doesn't taste better to me. Mm, okay. Like, it, it tastes more kind of bland in the way where just, like, you're going back, like, the spice comes from revealing it in the beginning. Okay. And then it's, like... You get halfway through the steak, and the steak's just kind of on poorly seasoned on the other end. Okay, no, that's, that's again, that's so, not, that's not yeah. an unfair vantage point. I think and it here, does. And here's where the marketing plays in for me is because, like, I'm expect like the marketing told me that I was gonna be like blown away by this mystery, and like, yeah, in the beginning, I'm told I'm, it's solved, and so I'm just like the marketing's telling me keep waiting, you'll expect something more, like there's something bigger coming. And it doesn't come, so that's where like the marketing fails me. If I had, if I had just been told like this is just a fun mystery movie, like with all these quirky characters, like I wouldn't have been waiting for anything. Hmm. So, okay. to that end, I would say I think the film does that reveal that early because it wants to get over that hurdle to tell the rest of the story, which is not only like the kind of the hole at the center of the donut or. The hole at the center, the hole at the center, the donut, whatever the hell Blanc says there at the end, which is kind of crazy. But it's also a look at this family and how it's starting to tear itself apart over, like, the money and, like, Marta and her place in all of it, you know. And I think that was something that struck me on the second go-around was, like, yeah, Harlan's, like, you know, I need to, like, do this so that you're not implicated, so that you and your mom or you and your family are safe. But I'm like, he also probably knows about the Slayer rule. And since he just changed his will to give everything to Marta, if she is found responsible for his death, that nullifies it and his family will get everything. Mm -hmm. So he, at the end, he is wanting to teach his family a lesson of like, you need to go your own way and do your own thing and not have to rely on me or my money or any of that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he wants his, his kids to like be something that they weren't because he didn't allow them to grow on their own. Mm-hmm. So yeah. like I said, the second time around, it was more of like about 
the characters for me and less about the mystery. Like, the mystery is still really good, I think, but, like... Yeah, that's the most interesting part for me is, like, see, having her, like watching her navigate, mm-hmm. like, these really wealthy people and suddenly she's the wealthy one and they're yeah. poor. Like, that's actually the most interesting part of the movie for me. And the whole, yeah, like you guys were saying, the classism and kind of the duplicitous nature of... You know, at first they're like, oh, well, we want to take care of you. And then when she gets the money, they're like, ah, give it to me. You yeah, know, the knives are out, if you will. <laughs> yeah. um, something that struck me. That's a line in the film. Yeah, yeah I think so. It yeah, is. <laughs> it is. Yeah, it's there in, in Blanc's speech at the end where he's like, uh, when he's talking to the family and saying like, you guys haven't been treating her well. You're a bunch of buzzards, knives out, beaks wet or something. Yeah. Which I was like, why do buzzards have knives? Um. But I will say, on the second go-around, I really enjoyed Linda's kind of little mini story that she gets. And I felt bad for her by the second. Like, the first time I was like, oh, Linda is Jamie Lee Curtis's character. Because, um, you know, the first time around, you know, all of them are giant bitches to her, um, to Marta. And so, but the second time, I'm like, everything kind of happens to Linda especially all at once because it's like her she just found out her dad committed suicide and he wasn't murdered she just found out that she and all of her family members were written out of his will her husband has been cheating on her she's just discovered and her son is getting arrested for murder so it's like that moment where she's like reading the letter from her dad and she's looking at her husband and it's just like damn it, Jamie Lee Curtis is a good actress and she yep. conveys a lot in that one simple scene. But I also think she has this thing where she realizes she's going to be okay because she also created her own right. business. Of, yeah. of the three yeah. kids or kids-in-law, she's the one who's the most financially she, stable. She's, she's the least... But she's also the one who's lost the most Absolutely, personally. Yeah. yeah, and she's the least reprehensible on a moral level. So it's easier yes. to kind of connect with her, whereas like... Everybody from that family, from Walt all the way down to his alt right Nazi son, like <laughs> which, which I, I, I guess, it, I mean, what was I, it, the I, Nazi boy. <laughs> I have no idea if this was like just one of many interviews, but he said that it was inspired by this Last Jedi hate, and I was like, good, wait, please do that. Interesting um, tidbit: uh, Ryan Johnson was on Doug Love, Doug Loves Movies this week. Mm-hmm. He talked about how once Jamie Lee Curtis came on in that part, like he developed it more mm. um so i saw another thing with him uh where he said that like there are many times where like she didn't have to be on set but she would just show up yeah. and so he would like throw her into other scenes because she was there that day yep. yeah so. she's she's she gets very involved whenever she's on set she was that way on halloween she was that way pretty much everything freaky there. friday yeah wouldn't surprise me um i w- i will say though there is if i had one nitpick that kind of falls into how this movie's telling a class story versus also trying to be a good whodunit or a bad whodunit or whatever. But um, there are there's there's one moment that kind of tells me that sometimes it gets a little distracted, and it's when Walt goes to confront Marta in the hallway, and it seems like at first from the mystery element to me it kind of felt like oh maybe they're trying to add one more possible twist into the mix, but then I realize like no it's just furthering the class warfare plot and so i wondered like if you had tried to rework that moment 
could it have been also another diversion to make you think Walt had done it if if written a different way? But like it by no means breaks the movie at all. But I was wondering like at what point does the does the class warfare versus the mystery element like are there times when it feels a little off balance? Like whenever it does, it kind of doesn't matter because I'm very invested in it. But I need to watch the movie again and not just go off of my first viewing. Cause I think it is a movie that demands multiple viewings. So yeah, I will say the second time around that scene, I don't know. It just, it was just kind of awkward. I was like, why is this here? It, it doesn't really further anything. You could cut it out and it honestly wouldn't really change that much. It's an interesting, like you moment. said, it's more the thematic work yeah. than it is the plot. Mm-hmm. But still, it's like, okay, that was just kind of awkward. It kind of reminds us stuff that we already know. But, like, I like watching Michael Shannon act, so I'm not complaining. But, you know. If I had one criticism of the movie, it's that I do feel like the cast gets a little bit, um, like, the cast brings the movie down a little bit. Like, the weight of it. Um, For instance, like, the housekeeper, Fran totally forgot about her when she shows up in the laundromat or whatever i was like who's this what's going and then i think they say something later like oh the housekeeper i'm like oh right the housekeeper the one that found him yeah which side note why the fuck was there a spider on her face because <laughs> it looked cool it did look cool but i'm like oh my gosh the girl was just unconscious for like an hour and all of a sudden f- spiders moving in yeah, the dirty laundry man <laughs> <laughs> the time michael said spider face we meant in spider face <laughs> <laughs> yes um next week i don't know what we're watching ryan do you have anything else you want to say about the movie no i think we're good it was oh, awesome side note i forgot so there's that shot of like harlan and marta when they're gonna play go did anybody else feel like he looked weird in that scene? Like he was digitally inserted? Because the lighting on him looks really weird. I noticed that both times I watched it. Because it's like... Let me try to remember a month ago. Because <laughs> <laughs> he's like sitting in the chair and like everything around him is kind of in this like like tinted more red. But then he is tinted more blue. So I'm like, did they just like shoot that on a green screen and then just digitally insert it in or something? I, I think I saw a thing where a lot of those interior scenes of the house are, are actually still a soundstage. So soundstage. Mm-hmm. So it just looks really weird. It could have been lighted differently. Yeah. Mm. I mean, kiss, kiss, bang, bang's playing at the Alamo. <laughs> yep. yep. Oh yeah. 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 For next week. I don't know. It's either that or Playmobil. Yeah, it's the only really release <laughs> yeah. that week. So, or Ford v Ferrari. I guess we could do as a main episode. I think you should. I think it's good. Oh, uh, yeah. Uh, Marriage Story comes out uh, on Friday. I think. I don't know if you're interested in that at on, all. But on Netflix. Netflix? Yeah. So. Marriage Story, Honey Boys out. I mean, I will say, Marriage Story is my number two of the year. It might move up to number one. I really, really liked it. Uh, but then again, I'm Henry. So, like... <laughs> but then that that's all the more reason we should watch it. So. I mean, Frozen 2 would be okay, but, like, four of you just talked about it <laughs> on this episode, well, so... we can talk about it a lot more. But, like, 4v Ferrari, I don't think these two have seen mm-hmm. it. I'm down. I, no, I haven't, I haven't seen it. I saw yet, it, but yeah. you haven't said anything about it on the show. Oh, not on the show, oh. no. So. <laughs> Side note, follow me on Twitter, at Catching Classic, where I review things that I go see at the movie... Or whatever. I don't know. I just do random shit on there. Yep. And follow me on the street. <laughs> I do. Don't, don't say that, Henry. You live in New York. Yeah, People will wolf whistle at you. <laughs> Listen, I've, I've recently discovered that I'm unmuggable. 
Um, <laughs> I go walking in bad neighborhoods at night, and I'm like, come get me. <laughs> and they will cross the street as I walk towards them. Mm-hmm. So, uh, do they, do they like lift their noses in the air to you? Like, mm. No, like they just ignore nah, the shit out of you. Like or? I was walking down like 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 North Harlem at night, being like, "Can't wait to get back to the subway so I can go home." Mm-hmm. And I just see these two guys that like look like they're doing a drug deal, and mm-hmm. I like walk towards them, and they look up at me, and they cross the street, and I was like, <laughs> "All right," so I kept walking. So something about that guy I don't trust. You're a drug dude. You can take down other deals. Like you're a drug deal deterrent. I bet he reviews art house films on a website. <laughs> Henry, I'm not shitting asshole. you. That is the plot of a 30 Rock episode. Liz, Liz figures out a way to become unmuggable. Uh, my friends who are more hip tell me that I just look like a cop. And so like, <laughs> that guy doesn't like the majority of the Godzilla movies and the Godzilla Criterion. Collection. Yeah, that guy's a narc. Get him. <laughs> Yeah, cool. Sup, fellow druggies. <laughs> There's plenty of movies yeah. out. We'll figure something out. Yeah. Forward to be Ferrari's fine. I want to see it. There's <laughs> <laughs> Corinne's review. I'm seeing it now. Movie of the week. Movie of the year. Yes. <laughs> Number one, Ford versus Ferrari, just because yeah. she hated it. I need it... to watch it again just so I can find J.J. Field. Mm-hmm. I think he's one of the crew guys. I was looking him up earlier. He plays the tires. <laughs> but I thought Tracy Lutz was the tires. Okay, so you know that. Op- sorry, you know that opening scene where he's like at Le Mans, and like there's like the one guy who's like the pit crew manager. I swear that is Matthew Good, but he's not listed in the credits, so I don't know what the hell's going on. I've seen it twice. I don't remember. Matthew Good's kind of like a like a mystical wizard. He kind of just flows in and out of things. You'll never know if he's actually there. It's pronounced Goody. Yeah. <laughs> Come on, guys. You know what? I should have learned that when I watched Leap Year yeah. the 15th time. <laughs> Come on, guys. Thanks for listening. Bye. 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 Thank you for listening to this episode of Real Nerds Podcast. Real Nerds Podcast is a production of Nebulous Visions Multimedia. Thank you to Sparks Mandrill and Plan 9 Studios for our kick-ass theme song. Also, if you're in the Denver area and you're looking for a cool place to see movies, we see them at the Alamo Draft House in Littleton and now also in Sloan's Lake. Thank you to Colorado Coins, Cards, and Comics for supplying us with all our comic needs, especially you, Andrew. You know who you are. And a big shout-out to James's mom. I'm giving you an electronic hug that you can feel through the airwaves. Thanks for listening, and have a nice day. <laughs>